I think I was only 13 years old when this happened. I would be paid extra since I was going to be babysitting so many kids. I don't recall how many, but there were a lot. The reason why I was trusted with so many was because I knew them since my parents and their parents were all friends growing up, making us kind of form into a group. Now, I was the oldest out of every single kid, which was the reason I was in charge. Of course, it was going to be a long night, knowing that our parents would be at some bar far away until like around 2 in the morning, and then stay at a hotel. For some background, I knew the kids, and they knew me. I being the oldest, 13 at the time, and the youngest being around 4. There was definitely a little bit of an age gap. The majority of the kids were around 9 to 10. Anyway, the parents left, and when they did, it was already around 4 in the afternoon. About two and a half hours later, I made dinner for them. We sat down, and everyone ate their pasta. Because all the kids were together, and they all knew each other, things got pretty crazy. I won't go into detail on exactly what went down, but some of the kids were just totally wild. I didn't really mind it, though. It was pretty funny at the same time, but that's besides the point. So, after a couple more hours, it was getting pretty late. I recall it being around 11.30 when kids were starting to settle down. I had to take care of some of the kids who injured themselves by doing some really stupid stuff that was really dangerous, and I couldn't make it in time since I had to deal with some other problems as well. But I would consider myself a very caring and kind person because I always did what I needed to do to calm them down. So, like I said, it was around 11.30 when they were starting to settle down, and then not too long after, they were starting to pass out. I brought and carried them upstairs and put half of them in one of the two kids' rooms. For the sake of keeping the real names out, basically we were at the house that belonged to the Abel's family. Ava and Dom were the kids in the family, making it their house. I put half the kids in Dom's room and the other half in Ava's room. They passed out very quickly after that. I went back downstairs to chill out and then listen to some music. After listening to music for a while, Ava comes downstairs and this is where things start to take a turn for the worst. I had to look because I was listening so loud that I couldn't even hear her calling my name. She then said in a really scared tone, Something keeps being thrown at the window in my room. I'm really scared. I was a little uneasy to be hearing this since this was such a weird thing to be happening at this time of night. I gave her a hug and I assured her that everything would be alright and that I would go check it out. The bedrooms were on the third floor, so this was especially weird since the room's windows were really high up. I went into Ava's room and I saw that the kids were sleeping. I guess no one else had heard the something hitting the window. I started to think that Ava was just making this up or something. I went back downstairs and I went to the couch where Ava was. I was a bit surprised to see that Ava wasn't there. This is when I then hear something from downstairs. It sounded like a muffled girl scream for help. I quickly ran down there to see Ava in the garage, then being dragged out of the garage by a dark figure. Someone had forgotten to close the garage door, so it was just open. I was so scared and I went into full-on panic mode. I then went back inside to go grab a weapon or something that I can use in quick defense. I found this spear-looking thing that's used for fires and also pushing wood in other areas. I picked it up, then ran outside to look for Ava. I soon saw Ava in this really dark figure, which was taking Ava in the backwoods. I then hit the dark figure in the back of the knee 
practically stabbing the figure since it had a sharp edge on the side of it. The figure fell back and let out a yell of pain, which is when I grabbed Ava and then practically carried her back into the house. Very stupidly, I left the weapon I had outside. Since I was in a panic, I think that I just didn't have time to think about it since Ava was the main priority for me. I get back inside and close the garage door, hoping that was the end of it. I decided not to call the cops because I get really nervous when it comes to cops, so I just wanted to avoid that. I ran upstairs but try not to make too much noise to see if any of the kids were awake due to hearing the commotion from outside. There were only about two kids who were awake and they asked what was happening. I told them to just fall back asleep and that there was a situation that happened. They really wanted to know what, but I just told them I'll tell them in the morning. I really don't blame them. I think I would also want to know what was happening, especially after all that commotion. So anyway, I go back downstairs on the couch where Ava thankfully was this time, and she falls asleep with the comfort of me there the whole time. Fast forward to the morning. It's around 7.30 and I can hear some commotion from upstairs. The kids were up and playing. Ava had woke me up and she was really happy to see me there. I think I really made her feel safe. After that night, me and Ava's connection was a little bit different from before. As the story is becoming better, the final spook is yet to come, so get ready. I walked downstairs to see if anything had been stolen. I check and I didn't really see anything out of the ordinary. Well, nothing out of the ordinary, except for one thing. There happened to be a paper that was in the garage. It was taped to the sliding door, and I think that's why I paid attention to it. I started to read it, and it said one word. Revenge. I was really scared reading this because how the hell could someone have put this here? Then reality hit me that someone had to have come inside after the garage door had been closed, which is when I thought we were safe. I haven't shared this story with Ava because I don't want her to feel scared or threatened more than she probably already does. I do still have a few questions left unanswered though. Who did this? Why did they target this house specifically? And last but not least, did the intruder purposely try and take Ava out of everyone there? Why did he want her specifically? I know I'll probably never have my answers to these questions, but it's absolutely chilling to think about. I've had a lot of scary experiences, but I really think this one's the scariest. It was October 2015 and my sister was giving birth and I was babysitting her son who was 9 at the time. The second night I was there, this happened. I would put my nephew to bed in his room and then the dog in his cage in my sister's room, which I have to get past to get to his room. I then go downstairs and I get on YouTube on my computer. Well, about an hour later. I hear a door slam. I just assume it's my nephew going to the bathroom. I then hear another slam. I assume it's just him wanting privacy, and I then hear a third door slam yet again. I don't know how to explain it, but I kind of just knew that it wasn't my nephew. I kept hearing things being moved around, kind of like a dresser being moved across the floor. I then start to remember that this house was built not as a regular house back in the day. The attic is apparently connected to the house next door. All you have to do is go up the attic, walk a little, then lift the top and climb down the ladder. I had no choice but to go check on my nephew. I'm still hearing noises as I go up. 
I hear the dog in his cage going absolutely crazy, like he was trying to get out or something. I walk halfway up the stairs, then all of the noise just stops. I look in his room, and he's sleeping with his door open. There was no way in hell I was going to walk past that pitch black room. In my mind, as long as he was safe, that's all that mattered. I then walk back downstairs. As soon as I walk back downstairs, I then hear footsteps running, followed by a door slam. Well, the next day I decide to tell my sister and brother-in-law. After I told them, what they said next to me chilled me to my core. Without any concern in the world, they went on to tell me that it was the spirit of our dead neighbor. Now, you're probably thinking, why didn't I just call the cops already? Well, I wasn't really thinking straight at the time. I was just way too scared, and I guess now it's a good thing that I didn't. A few weeks later, my mom had told my oldest niece, who was 16 at the time. She said that whenever she was in there, she always felt the feeling of being watched. To this day, I still don't know if I believe it was a ghost, or maybe an actual living intruder. All I know is that I for sure wasn't alone that night besides my nephew and I. Never again will I babysit there. Screw that. I'm a female, and I'm 15 years old. This all started a couple months back when I got my very first job as a babysitter. I babysit on Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. Keep that in mind. The people I babysit for don't even live that far away from my house. Their house is like a block away from me. So by now you've probably guessed that I walked to work. Now, I've always been a very cautious person, and also a paranoid one. So keep that in mind too. The first time it happened was after a month of doing my job. One day I got done babysitting and I just walked to my friend's house that's a couple of blocks away from their house. So as I'm walking there, I hear someone behind me. I should also mention that I was snapchatting my friend to let her know how far away from the house I was. Anyways, I hear someone behind me so I turn around and see this guy on a bike right behind me. I didn't think too much about it, but I was keeping him in mind. I don't pay much attention to him and I keep snapchatting, just in case he tries something. I then turn to the left, and so does he. At this point I'm really aware now of what this guy's doing. I'm pretty sure he's following me. The guy looked tall as hell, and I'm only 5'5", five five, so again I make a turn, and so does he. By now I'm getting pretty panicked and I'm very much aware that this guy is following me. Anytime I slowed down, so would he. If I sped up, again, so did he. My friend's house comes into view, and I speed walk over there with him telling me. I reach your front door, and I start knocking, and then I hear someone say, Hey, you better watch out. I'll get you. And I turn around, and the guy was right behind me in front of her house. By this point, I'm very panicked, but I just keep knocking. And before she answers, this guy then pulls something out. At first, I didn't know what it was until I looked a little closer. And you guessed it. The guy literally pulled out his penis. Right as he does that, I pull my phone up and I catch him in the act. And my friend then opens the door. She lets me inside and she asks me why I'm shaking. I then show her the video and she tries calming me down. Fast forward a week later as I'm walking to my job and I see him yet again. My heart instantly drops and I just speed walk to the lady's house which I work for. He didn't really say anything, 
It was more like he was just watching me this time. This happened every single time that I would walk to work. But he wouldn't try anything because it would be daytime, and most of the time someone was around. That all changed when they asked me to babysit their daughter at 10pm. I wasn't really going to walk to work alone, so I asked the lady if she'd come pick me up instead. She did, and of course nothing happened. We then started doing that until I was calm enough to walk by myself to work. The following week, she asked me again to babysit at night, so I decided to take a knife with me just in case something happens, and I told my mom goodbye. I walked out in the really dark street, and the lights in that area weren't really good, which is why I was so scared to walk there in the first place. But anyways, I was walking to work, and I then hear a crunch behind me. My body then immediately tenses up. I knew someone was there, but I really dreaded thinking it was him. I decide not to look back, but instead just speed walk again. For a few minutes, I didn't even hear anything, but I then turn around, and there he fucking is. I don't say a single word, and just straight up bolt to their house. I tell them what happened and she told me not to worry and that he wouldn't do anything, then left me to babysit. Fast forward the second day and I walked to work and nothing happened this time. I was checking all my surroundings like a really crazy person, but no one was there. I then turn to knock on their door and from the corner of my eye, I see movement. I look and this guy's leaning out from behind trash cans and I, and I barely caught him. My heart started going crazy. I then knocked harder on the door and I saw him from the corner of my eyes just looking at me. He probably didn't even know I saw him, but I did. Fast forward the next day and the walk to work wasn't really that much. I didn't see him, but the walk back, that's a different story. I was walking back and I think it was about 12am. I texted my mom that I was on my way home and she told me to stop by the store. Now this store is like right across from our house so it wasn't really a big deal. This weird creep follows me, all the while making kids' noises and saying really weird things like I love you over and over again. I just walk to the store and this guy literally stands right in front of the store. I get very angry at this point and I tell the cashier what's going on. He then looks at the guy for a minute and then tells him to leave. He says he wants to buy something, but the guy just tells him to leave. Well, he doesn't leave and he just keeps on standing there. So I then say to him, Why are you following me? He then says back, I'm not following you. And I said, Yeah, sure you're not. And I just stand in line and get my stuff and then walk out the door. The guy has the audacity to continue following me, all while making kissing sounds and then repeatedly saying, I love you. I die for you. I was just so fucking mad at this point that I snap back and say, Look, fuck off you creep, leave me the fuck alone already, with a very angry tone. This doesn't even have an effect on this guy, and he just keeps repeating the same shit. I then tell him, Look, I know where you live and I'll tell your mom about this, because I've actually seen him leave the apartments that are near the store. Anyways, he doesn't even care what I'm saying and he's making eye contact with me the entire time. I just walk to my house and I finally get there, but right before I get inside and slam the door, I then say to him, If you ever follow me again, you're gonna fucking regret it. He responds to this by laughing, then saying, Oh yeah? What the hell are you gonna do? And proceeds to blow me a kiss. I then just walk inside, feeling very numb. 
I had just finally got home and I just started sobbing. My sister asked what was happening and I told her everything. She's extremely overprotective with me and she got really pissed off after I told her. She tells me that she's going to walk me to work and that if we see him she's going to kill the guy. Obviously I know that's not true but it really made me feel better. All of this happened last week and today in a couple of hours I have to babysit again. I know it doesn't seem like much, but I'm still really scared of what will happen to me in the future. I really don't even know what to do at this point. If any of you guys that are listening have some advice, please tell me what to do. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, and if anything else happens, I'll definitely give you guys an update. Be safe out there. When I was about 16... I was babysitting for a family friend. I took the girl Maddie outside to plan the swing set in the backyard, and it was getting pretty dark, around 8 or 8.30. I started to get a really weird feeling, like we were being watched. I looked around and I didn't see anyone, but I was still kind of freaked out, so I took her inside since she had to go to bed soon anyway. I put her to sleep at around 9, and I started watching TV in the living room. About 10 minutes later, I then hear rustling outside the house. I very stupidly go to check it out, but I don't see anything, so I just assume it was an animal and then go back inside. Well, about 20 minutes later, I hear footsteps from Maddie's room, so I decide to go upstairs to put her back to bed. I open her door and I see that she's still fast asleep in her bed. Now, it's really dark in the room, but I can also see some things because of the light from the window. I then look in the corner to see this shadowy silhouette kneeling in the corner. I immediately turn on the light to see an actual man there. He then tries to run out the door, but I kick him in the nuts. I call the police and it turns out that the man had actually been living in the basement for about six months, going in and out through a hole inside of the house, and had apparently been watching the family while they were outside and also while they were sleeping. Yeah, I haven't babysat since. This happened when I was in elementary school. Me, my brother, and mom had immigrated to Canada a few years prior to this incident. We moved into a rental apartment which consisted mostly of new immigrants. One day while we were waiting for the elevator, a woman and her disabled daughter had walked over and waited with us. They were speaking Farsi, but a dialect that was spoken in Afghanistan, not Iran where we were from. Now, this caught my mom's attention pretty quickly and she was really ecstatic to find that a fellow Farsi-speaking woman was living just a couple apartments down from us. They began speaking, and it was quite evident that her daughter was not able to speak or communicate via sign language due to her severe disabilities. My mom and her would bump into each other frequently around the building and neighborhood. Well, there happened to be a man that she believed was targeting and stalking her daughter. He was a single dad of a girl that was only a couple years older than me. I knew them both quite well and I even babysit their dog a couple of times. His daughter had told us that her parents had divorced and her dad apparently got custody of her. One night me and my mom had just gotten home and we were stepping out of the elevator when we then bumped into the lady. She approached us and she said that it was her daughter's birthday and that insisted we join them for some cake. I always felt really weird around her and I really wasn't eager to join them at all. 
but my mom said that she felt bad and that we wouldn't have to stay too long. We followed her into the apartment, and immediately the hairs on the back of my neck then stood up. Her daughter was just sitting in the dark, with only a small nightlight lighting up her furnitureless house. In the middle of the living room was a cloth spread out picnic style that consisted of a few plates, forks, and homemade cake. We then sat down and started to get comfortable when my mom's phone started to ring. This all kind of startled us. Just as my mom picked up the phone, the lady hurried into the living room, then told my mom to put her phone on silent. She said you need to be as quiet as possible so he doesn't know we're home. I immediately get the chills. Who the hell was she talking about? My mom then apologized and she asked her what she meant. That's when she started telling us that the man from the unit below her is tormenting them. She went on and on about how he hits the ceiling with a broom on all hours of the night to let them know that he knew they were home, and that apparently one time her daughter was lured into the balcony by him and was being persuaded by him to jump. She said that he would knock on their door in the middle of the night and then whisper the devil's prophecies through her door. My mom then asked her why she never reported this, and the lady said she was scared he would find out and then kill them. She said they don't turn on the lights, they don't own a TV, and she never makes a single noise, only whispers when home. We ate the cake, thanked her for inviting us, and got up to leave. She tiptoed to her door and motioned with her hand to stay out of the view of the door, which we did. She slowly opened the door, then peeked outside looking left or right, turned to us, and said we were okay to go. As soon as we got home, I told my mom that there was no way that what she was saying was true because I knew the people that lived in that unit. My mom just said it's best to not get involved and just forget about it. Weeks go by and we don't see her or her daughter. One morning when I was leaving our building to go to school, I had noticed there were letters taped into the walls of the lobby. They were kind of scattered, but I was a kid and I thought that they were letters put there by the building management. I opened the lobby doors and that's when I saw the letter taped to the building's intercom. The letter was written by the lady explaining how terrified she was for her and her daughter's life and how no one's done anything to help her with the situation despite numerous attempts. She then went on about the same exact thing she had said to us. The very last paragraph sent chills down my spine. She claimed that she was raped and impregnated by a demon in her sleep and that now he's found her and her daughter and is apparently possessed by this man. She then said if something happens to either of them we should find ourselves responsible. I ended up asking the girl and her dad what that was all about, and her dad claimed to have only ever seen her twice, both times of which he hadn't even made eye contact with her because she was apparently talking to herself and he was really creeped out. He said that she would slide notes under his door with what he later found out to be Arabic writing. He said that he had showed it to one of his Arabic friends who confirmed that there were verses from the Quran that's used by Muslims to protect themselves from evil. He said that he had no idea it was her doing this until the letters started being plastered all around the building on every floor. Apparently, they were asked to move out of their apartment, and she had threatened to light herself and her daughter on fire. The management had to contact the police for her being a threat to herself and others. After a while, we all forgot about it, and we just went on with our lives. We moved to a different part of town not too long after, but this event has always stuck with me. In 2015, I had went back to the old complex due to reconnecting with a childhood friend who still lived there. Well, I ran into the building manager and he and I got to talking and I asked about the incident and if he ever really found out what happened. Apparently, the lady was schizophrenic. She was a victim of forced marriage at a really young age 
and her daughter's disabilities were the result of the extreme abuse she endured while pregnant. Turns out she was extremely mentally ill and just full-heartedly believed the claims she had made. Apparently her daughter was in fact capable of speaking, but her mother did everything in her power to isolate her from outside contact in society. Me and my mom thought she was around 14 to 16, but turns out she's a 30-year-old woman. She was very malnourished and lacked personal hygiene and was obviously not properly taken care of. Her daughter had never once been to a hospital or even school. Really sad stuff. I'm now a 32-year-old female, and at the time, this story took place when I was 13 years old. One night, I was staying over at my friend's house, who, for the sake of this story, will call Kate. She lived in a really sketchy neighborhood that was just a few miles from our middle school. Her mom was a single mom, and she was working late, so we kind of had the whole place to ourselves. Her mom had left the house full of junk food, and she would let us rent movies on demand as much as we wanted. Since it was still bright out, we decided to go for a walk down by the pond and park area, just a couple blocks away from her house. As we were heading back to our house, just about one or two houses away, a car then approached us from behind. Now, I didn't recognize this person, but my friend Kate did. She said that it was her next door neighbor, Andy. Andy, if I can recall, looked to be much older, maybe in his early 50s. I remember him having a kind of grayish beard and he wore a baseball cap. He slowed his car down and he had asked what we were up to for the evening. Kay told him that her friend and her were having a sleepover and were probably going to prank call a few kids from our school and also stay up late watching scary movies. Andy just chuckled and smiled at the both of us, but even as a 13-year-old girl, I didn't really like the way he had smiled at us. I don't know this stranger, and I was really surprised my friend had even given this much information, but maybe she knew him a lot better. Andy then told us in a really low voice, Well, Kate, I see your mom's car isn't in the driveway, so I'm assuming she's working late again, huh? Kate had then said in her usual friendly but completely oblivious tone, Yep, she has the late night shift again, so we get the house all to ourselves tonight. Andy returned that same creepy smile then said all right well you girls have fun at your little sleepover and don't get into too much trouble tonight and then with that he slowly drove past us and then pulled his car into his driveway as we walked up our driveway we saw andy walk into his house still staring over at us once we got inside kate's house i had started asking her about her neighbor i told her that he sort of gave me the creeps Kate said that she agreed he is sort of creepy, but she didn't really think he was any sort of danger or threat at all. Now, Kate was always more of the trusting, carefree type, while I seemed to always be the paranoid, more cautious goody-goody. So we made a pizza and we grabbed a bunch of snacks and started watching some movies, and we also had fun chatting with a few friends on AIM afterwards. Right around midnight or even 1am, Kate's mom still wasn't home and we were just starting to fall asleep in our sleeping bags in the living room. The TV was still on, and it was playing some kind of scary movie in the background. Suddenly, Kate had clicked the TV on mute, then lowered her voice. She then said to me, I think I saw the motion detection light go off and on in her backyard. She then quietly got up to peek out the window overlooking their backyard. I very slowly tiptoed over to her and asked if she saw anything. She didn't see anything, but not too long afterwards, we then saw the light turn on. 
We really tried our best, but we couldn't really see anything outside. Kay decided to go into their basement and see if she could get a better look through the window down there. We crept down to the basement stairs, being very careful not to trip in the dark. We also didn't want to turn on the lights just in case whatever was out there would see us. I don't know why Kate was suddenly taking this so seriously since she was usually the more laid-back friend, but maybe we were just both being super paranoid from all the scary movies we were watching. I don't know. There was a very large window next to a door on the far side of the basement. The motion detection light turned on yet again, spilling in through the window so that we could see a little in the small basement. Suddenly we heard the door that was leading out to the backyard in the basement start to rattle. We both jumped and screamed. The window on the door was covered by a set of blinds, so we couldn't see who was on the other side, but we knew someone was definitely trying to open the door. Fortunately for us, it was locked with a deadbolt, but nonetheless, we were still scared shitless. Kay grabbed a baseball bat lying on top of a sofa and began edging towards the door. I whispered at her to get away and that we need to get out of here and maybe call her mom or the cops. But Kate, always being the more brave one, then very carefully lifted a corner of the blinds on the door window. Whoever was on the other side was still trying to get the door to open. Kay lifted the blinds, and lo and behold, it was her neighbor Andy. Kate and I both screamed. Andy just held his hands up in the air and then shouted, Whoa, it's okay girls, I'm not going to hurt you. I just wanted to see if you're alright. It's really late, and I thought I saw someone running in your yard. Kate and I both looked at each other and then at Andy. There was something so sick and menacing in his eyes, and we both just knew that he was definitely lying, and he was the one trying to break into Kate's house. Kate shouted back at him that he better get the hell out of here, or she's going to call the police. Andy just sort of blinked at us and repeated he just wanted to check on us because he knew we were home alone. He grabbed the doorknob again and asked us to unlock the deadbolt. I pulled Kate by the arm and told her to call 911 immediately. I screamed that we were calling the police right now, and he better get the hell out of here. Andy just kind of glared at us, and then backed away from the door. He quickly looked to the right, then turned and ran to his backyard. Kate and I ran upstairs, and her mom was walking into the house. She asked us what we were just doing in the basement, and we both frantically tried telling her what had happened with Andy. Her mom was very shocked, but didn't think it would do anything to call the police, since technically he didn't break in or hurt us. Kate and I were both really freaked out and we wanted her mom to call the police and report him, but she just kept insisting that there was probably nothing they could do. Very fortunately, I didn't have any more encounters with Andy the few more times I'd go over to Kate's house, and not too long after, her and her mom moved away. I don't know what Andy was trying to do or what his intentions were that night, but I'm really, really glad we didn't find out. Hey everyone, I want to take a small break from the stories to talk about today's sponsor, Shudder. What's better on a chilly fall night than curling up in front of the TV for a really great scary movie? And nobody has a better collection of horror, thriller, and supernatural than Shudder, the best streaming service for horror. Shudder is the exclusive home for the found footage hit, VHS 94, a Shudder original. Binge the latest seasons of Creepshow and Slasher both exclusively on Shudder. Catch brand new episodes of the drag competition show The Boulet Brothers Dragula and the brand new docuseries Behind the Monsters, 
on the origins and pop culture dominance of all your favorite modern movie monsters. New exclusives this month include Nicolas Cage in Prisoners of the Ghostland and the killer shark movie, Great White. You can stream chilling thrillers, horror, and suspense for just $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. Think of it as the Netflix for horror. There's new supernatural terrors, edge-of-your-seat thrillers, and shocking horrors added every week. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including your iPhone, your Android, Roku, and even your Xbox One. Shudder has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits as well. I think what I really like about Shudder personally is they have a very good mixture of all your favorite classics as well as some really nice modern favorites, such as Children of the Corn, Halloween, and one of my new favorites, Slasher Flesh and Blood. Get started streaming all the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content today. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code CANNIBAL. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code CANNIBAL. I'm not even quite sure where to begin, but I guess I'll start with giving some background info. I'm now a 25-year-old female, but when I first moved into my apartment, I was only 21 or 22 at the time. The apartment complex I lived in was very quiet for the most part. Lots of younger families and old people lived there. It was also in a golf course community in my hometown, which was a smallish town with very moderate crime rate. When I moved in, I didn't know the neighbors to the left of me, but about two years into my lease, there was a middle-aged couple that moved in. I never got their names, but somehow the husband knew mine, which actually wasn't too odd because the old people there are really chatty, and I'm sure in passing they learned my name. I'm a very intuitive person, and I can usually pick up cues when someone isn't really good people. My first few instances with the husband, I immediately got really weird vibes from him. In hindsight, he didn't really do anything out of the normal at first. It was just a gut feeling I had. Whenever he was with his wife and I would try to talk to him, the husband would cut his wife off and try and talk for her, it seemed. Really weird, but okay. Well, after about a year of my boyfriend moving in with me, he fell off a golf cart on Christmas Eve and suffered a traumatic brain injury. He wasn't allowed to drive for six months, so I was responsible for taking him to and from work during those six months. He's a workaholic and he works really late most of the time, so I was alone at the house until 10 to 11 most nights. Somehow or another, this creepy next door neighbor finds out that my boyfriend had a TBI and that he wasn't driving. Now, this guy knew that I was alone on most nights and he decided to purposefully do things to fuck with me. There's one instance that sent chills up my spine and still really sticks out in my memory and makes me absolutely thankful we moved out of that apartment and into a house in the country 20 miles away. So, one night I get home from the store or hanging out with a friend, and like always, I sat in the car in the parking lot playing on my phone. Doors locked, of course, because I'm paranoid. And after maybe about 10 minutes, as I'm about to turn the car off and then go inside, I look to my far right and I see my next door neighbor standing in the breezeway of the building directly across from ours. It's maybe 9pm by now, so I just assume he's walking his dog or taking the trash out or something. I resumed to playing on my phone and I decided to look up once more. 
He hasn't moved. He's standing in the breezeway with the light behind him, so I can just see a silhouette, but I just know for a fact it's him. I was always taught to stare back at the person who's making you feel uncomfortable, so either they break eye contact or speak the fuck up about what they're staring at you for. So I'm staring back at him, and he just backs up further into the breezeway out of my sight. I'm now slightly creeped out at this point, but I decided right then and there that I wasn't getting out of the car and going inside, that is, until my boyfriend called me to go pick him up from work. I turned my phone's brightness down to hopefully give him a less clear view of me sitting in the car in the dark. Not even five minutes later, he's walking from the far side of the complex, complete opposite side from our building. I see that he's not walking his dog, he's got no garbage can, so I can assume that he didn't take the trash to the dumpster. He walks on the sidewalk right in front of my car, stops and stares straight into my soul, all while pointing at me with his index finger and middle finger, kinda like a peace sign, but in a pointing motion. He finally continues on his walk, and then walks to his work van parked two or three spots away to my left. There's no cars in between mine and his. He grabs some empty grocery bags out of his van, takes a surprisingly long time grabbing them, and proceeds to walk back into the direction he came. He then stops in front of the car yet again, stares at me for a second, then continues on. There's a sidewalk perpendicular to the one he's on, and at the end of that sidewalk, there's another that's parallel to the one he's currently on. From aerial view, it's in the shape of the letter H. Our building is to the left. The one he was standing at earlier when I first spotted him was to the right. He stopped maybe five more times between my car and our apartment building turning back to face me every time he stops. This scent chills down my spine, and I immediately texted my boyfriend to let him know the weird neighbor was being a creep, and that I felt like he was purposefully trying to scare me. I go pick up my boyfriend, and we arrive back home on total edge from this creep. My boyfriend leaves something in the car, so as I'm approaching our front door to unlock it, he jogs back to the car, and lo and behold, my creepy-ass neighbor is walking up and saying hey to me also using my name. Again, I've never once introduced myself with my name. I'm guessing another neighbor had said it in passing, but it still really freaked me out after this interaction while I was sitting in the car. There's a half dozen other things this guy's done both before and after this night that gave me the creeps. My boyfriend walked me to the dumpster and to the on-site laundromat because he was too creeped out. He's much more naive than I am by default, but he's not too naive to write this off as an innocent run-in with the neighbor. As I'm writing this, I feel like I can't even paint the picture of just how fucking creepy it really was. I mean, maybe I really was overreacting, but my gut at the time was telling me something was off, and I listened. So I'm a 23-year-old male, and I live in California. Last year, I decided to use Tinder for the very first time. I had previously used Hot or Not and Plenty of Fish, but mostly just got bots and scammers, so I already wasn't very big on online dating. However, I was feeling really bored on Friday afternoon, so I decided to install Tinder and just see what happened. After creating an account, I began swiping people, and it actually wasn't more than like half an hour after I'd gotten off the app that I got matched up with someone. For a little context, I'm what you might call bisexual. I really hate labels, but I guess that's what I fall under. Anyways, I matched with a 25-year-old dude named Aiden. Aiden was what I would call attractive, and he had the same similar interests in gaming and coding as I did. 
I decided to go and send him a message, but before I could even type a single letter, he sent me a message. The message read, Hey, I saw you're new to Tinder, and I thought I'd reach out to you and say hi. I said hi back, and the two of us began talking about our love for video games, movies, and coding. He told me that he's a full-time coder, and that he apparently makes a salary only working four hours a day. He asked if I'd be down to come chill with them. I then offered to have him come over to my house because I was alone, and he apparently still lived with his parents. He seemed very excited all of a sudden, and he said that he'd really love to come over. We agreed on him coming over in an hour so that I could tidy up my room and also get my PC ready for gaming. After about an hour or so, I had sent him my address, and he said he was on his way. Now, normally I wouldn't have invited someone to my house that I've never met, but this guy seemed really harmless, and he was really attractive. So, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I heard a knock at my door, and I looked out the people, and saw it was Aiden. He had a bottle of red wine in his hand, and a smile across his face. We hadn't discussed drinking any red wine together, but I did in fact really enjoy red wine, and the brand that he had with him just so happened to be my favorite brand. I opened up the door and greeted him. I told him that the wine was my favorite, and I asked him if he's a mind reader. He laughed and said, what can I say? You just kind of strike me as a red wine kind of guy. I asked him how he planned to get home if he ended up drinking too much, and he said he Ubered to my house. We ended up having a couple of glasses of wine on my back patio, just talking about life, work, and shared our coming out stories. After the wine, we went inside to play PC, and we really had a blast. After the gaming, he had showed me his laptop, which he had brought with him, and he showed me his work. Eventually, I had to use the restroom, so I briefly excused myself to pee. I then heard him approach the bathroom door and then turn the knob. Because I didn't lock the door behind me, he just kind of came right in completely unannounced and without any warning, just starts grinding on me from behind while forcefully grasping my shoulders. I shoved him off of me and just kind of jokingly said, Uh, that's a bit intrusive. He smiled at me and said, Sorry, I just wanted to see how you'd react. I left the bathroom and walked into the kitchen with him walking right behind me. I asked him if he wanted some more wine or maybe some water, but before I could grab the water bottles from the fridge, the dude pushed himself up against me and then groped my private parts, all while smiling at me super creepily. This time I was completely taken aback. I shoved him off me forcefully, then yelled at him. I told him that we had literally just met and that I didn't think it was the right time to just jump into something sexual. He said I was just a waste of time and that I had no idea what I was doing and that I give gays a bad name. Then he said I was being homophobic. I told him that if I was really homophobic that I wouldn't be hanging out with him and talking about the way we were. I told him that I found him attractive but that he was really crossing some major boundaries. He kind of just laughed at me then said, In the LGBTQ community there are no boundaries. And then just like that he said he had to go. Thank God is what I thought to myself. I walked him to the front door, and he then walked out without saying goodbye or anything. I didn't really think anything else of it, and decided I needed to take a shower. I got in the shower, and about five minutes into my shower, I kept hearing this clinking sound coming from the other end of my door. I peek out through the sliding door of the shower, and then look down towards the bottom of the door. To my shock, I see Aiden holding a freaking spoon to the bottom of the door, looking in at me while I'm showering. I could only see this because of how high off the floor the door sat. Not knowing what to do, I just pretended not to notice him and slowly turned the shower off. 
I got out of the shower, wrapped a towel around my waist, and then prepared to confront him by yanking open the door. But before I could do that, I heard him snap a picture with his phone. I flung the bathroom door open, and he flew down the hall and out my front door. I then saw him get into a white Honda Civic, then drive away. He had lied about taking an Uber for some reason. I have no idea what the hell he took a picture of, or why he took it in the first place, but I can imagine that it wasn't for anything good. I immediately blocked him on Tinder, and I was really paranoid that he'd return. So yeah, that's my story of the Tinder creep who groped me in my own house. So, this happened when I was in my early 20s. I was on plenty of fish looking to meet a nice guy. I had a few conversations going with some people, but they quickly became lewd then aggressive when I expressed my lack of interest in hookups. There was one guy who was maybe about 5 years older than me that had messaged me, and he was the only one that didn't act like the others had. We had pretty normal conversation, and I thought what the heck when he wanted to meet up. I was in the Navy at the time, and it turned out he was as well. On the same base even. I lived off base, mind you. He claimed to be a martial arts instructor that taught classes at the gym by the barracks. He seemed really nice and all, so he set up the date, but something about him had really bothered me. I'm used to making people laugh and joking around since I'm sort of a class clown, but with this guy, I got nothing. He would never respond when I made a joke, just would carry on what we were talking about before. He seemed almost too serious. I chose to ignore it. Anyway, the night before I was to meet him, I had got a really strange phone call from an unknown number, like one of those numbers that says unknown or blocked or something so you can't call them back. I wasn't going to answer it, but I'm really glad I changed my mind that night. The person on the other end of the phone had sounded like a female and a little frantic. She said, Hello, is this? Says my name, and I paused. Um, who? I answered. She then said, I know you have a date tomorrow with this guy from Plenty of Fish, but I'm telling you not to go. He's a rapist. I was honestly kind of startled that she knew my name and the guy's name, and I then responded with, um, what the fuck? Who the fuck are you? And she pleaded for me to hear her out. She said she was an IT for the Navy, which is how she was able to hack his account and find our messages to each other, including my phone number. She used my phone number to look me up in the base directory or something. Then she found my name and address, or so she claims. That really freaked me out. She then goes on to tell me that he had apparently lured her out somewhere private to then rape her after meeting her on Plenty of Fish. I asked her if she reported it, but she said no because nobody would believe her since her rank was low. I didn't know if this was some psycho ex or if this was even real or not, but I really wanted nothing to do with it. I thanked her for her time and then promptly canceled the date. I want no part of rape or crazy exes. No thank you especially since she stalked both him and me. I don't know. Something really didn't sit right with me about that encounter. The dude called me the next day and asked why I canceled. I made something up and he then says, She called you, didn't she? I froze. I didn't know what to say. He then ends the phone call with, I thought so, then hangs up. I blocked his number right after that. 
This happened last night, so I thought I would share it while it's still fresh in my memory. I want to start off by saying that I'm a 20-year-old woman. I'm a bit on the shorter side and what guys would consider thick and don't seem very intimidating, but I can also beat some ass if I have to. Now a little bit of backstory before I get into the story. I got out of a really toxic relationship of about two years just a few months prior to this. This relationship broke me mentally and physically and it even caused my GPA to drop, which resulted in me having to repeat a class in university in order to apply for the nursing program. After I kept contact with him, I was very lonely. No one ever truly tells you just how hard it is to go from talking to someone every day to never at all, even if that person did hurt you like hell. I enjoyed being single and having my alone time, but I also really missed having a companion and someone to spend time with. I didn't really have the time to meet people at school or work, so of course, I downloaded some dating apps. For those of who are familiar, Facebook actually has a built-in interface for dating and finding people who are interested in finding a companion. This seemed like a good idea at the time since I knew that the other apps like Tinder and Bumble were mostly for people just looking for hookups and then never talk again. When I created my profile, I had set up my preferences to say that I was looking for chatting or a long-term relationship. I posted a few pictures of myself that I thought looked decent enough to grab attention, and I left it alone for the night. Of course, I had a few likes from either spam bots, people in an entirely different state than me, and of course, guys who were just looking to hook up. One day, I saw that I had matched with a guy. For the sake of privacy, we'll call him Barry. Now, Barry wasn't too bad looking. He had some really cute dogs looked around my age, and we actually shared some common interests. His profile even said that he was looking for something serious. Now important detail. His profile said he was 23 years old. This will be important later on. Very surprisingly, he had messaged me first. I had actually felt my heart do a little leap because I just really wasn't used to guys messaging me first at all. We ended up really hitting it off and we talked about our lives, our jobs, hobbies, and why our last relationships had ended. One really big red flag I noticed was he said that his ex was virtually crazy. Now I'm very familiar with this term. Most of the time guys or girls that say their exes were crazy usually made them that way. In other words, there were events that led to them acting that way. Nonetheless, we continued talking and we eventually decided to exchange numbers and Snapchat usernames. We talked for the next few days and he would keep asking if we could talk on the phone. Now, I'm not one to usually talk on the phone. Part of this came from the fact that my ex would always hang up on me or try to argue every time we talked. I'll admit, I kept making excuses and putting it off because I was just really busy. And plus, I didn't really feel like pretending to want to talk to a stranger on the phone. I decided to go spend the day with my parents and I kept my phone in my purse with the ringer on just in case my friends tried to text me or something. When we were walking around in a clothing store, my phone started ringing and it was a number I didn't recognize. Very stupidly, I answered. Um, hello? Hey, uh, I figured you wouldn't call me, so I'd call you. I'm sorry, who's this? Now, by this point I knew it was Barry, but I asked who it was as sort of an annoyed gesture in order to let him know I was busy. Yeah, it's Barry. I figured we could talk a little bit. I was starting to get annoyed because he was asking me super random questions like if I had family in his area or if I ever came to the area where he lives at. Now, normally I wouldn't mind answering these kind of questions, 
except my parents were giving me really annoyed and confused looks as I was talking to a stranger instead of spending time with them. After about an hour, yes an hour, I finally got him off the phone after agreeing to grab lunch with him the next day. Stupid I know, but he insisted. We agreed to meet at a restaurant that was about 45 minutes away from me. The following day, I really couldn't help but feel a little bit excited about it. I hadn't been on a date like this in forever, and it was really nice to be somewhat wanted again. I got dressed up, did my hair, and put on a little makeup. Before I headed out, I had texted him that I was heading that way. He responded with something weird. Hey, I'm heading to the restaurant now. I'll see you there. Okay, great. I gotta stop somewhere beforehand, but I'll be there. I thought maybe he would give me flowers or some cute crap like that, so I got even more excited. When I pulled into the restaurant, I was kind of surprised that I didn't see his car anywhere. I found the side because normally someone will park at the place they go into, and he had described his vehicle in detail to me. I got up to the front doors, and I saw him. Now, he wasn't lying about who he was, but he looked, uh, different than his pictures. He looked to be about 20 pounds heavier than his actual pictures, and about a foot and a half taller than me, which really surprised me. And he was also smoking a cigarette, which he never even mentioned that he was a smoker before we met. I brushed it off and said hello. We went in to get a table, only to find out that it was going to be about a 30 minute wait. So we stepped outside to chat for a bit, while he lit another cigarette. He was charming and good at holding a conversation, and asked all the right questions. Out of the blue, he said, There's a few questions I wanted to ask, but I don't want to make it weird. I was a bit puzzled and said, Oh? Then he looked me dead in the face right after talking about our favorite colors, family history, and other miscellaneous innocent things, then said, So, are you a virgin? I felt my stomach drop in my chest. I mean, seriously? This dude just met me not even an hour ago, and he's really asking me that? I replied back with a stern no. I was a bit pissed off after that, but again, I brushed it off. Finally, our table was ready, and we went to take a seat. Everything was normal enough, and to out of curiosity, I asked him what he had did before our date. Oh yeah, I had stopped at a local gun store and got a shotgun. I didn't think my ears heard him correctly, so I said, I'm sorry, you bought a shotgun? He replied with, Well, I didn't buy it, I put it on layaway. At this point, I'm starting to get super creeped out because right after that statement, the entire conversation was all about guns. Every time we would start talking about something else, he would always find a way to circle it back to guns. Now, I don't have a problem with guns by any means, but buying a gun before our first date seemed a bit weird to me, and not to mention the odd fascination he had with them. After dinner, we had decided to walk around a nearby mall. Now, I was really stupid and I didn't want to waste my gas and since it was only a few minutes down the road, I decided to ride with him. We started walking to his car only to find out that he had parked in an entirely different parking spot than the restaurant. That was also weird to me. Now here's where it started to get scary. Once again, I have no problems with guns, but right as we're walking, I can see a handgun tucked in his pants. No holster, no clip, nothing. Just hidden enough that it wouldn't be visible until he lifts his arms up. I had tried my best to calmly ask him about it. Oh, so you carry? I asked. Yeah. He replied smugly and pulled out his concealed carry card. 
I decided to ask him how old he was again, and he said he was 20 years old. So I just caught him in a lie when his profile said he was 23. But I made excuses because sometimes on dating profiles, it uses the information on a person's Facebook that might be inaccurate. When we got to the car, there was a family in a van beside us, and they were loading groceries into the back. Barry got in the car, took his handgun out of his jeans, and started waving it around to show me. I looked at him really nervously, and I told him he might want to put that away so he doesn't frighten the kids that were literally in the car right next to us. He reluctantly looked at me, laughed, then put it away. When we got to the mall, he parked the car, and we both got out. He said he had to grab his jacket out of the trunk, so I waited. He got my attention and waved me to the back of the car and said he wanted to show me something. Now I literally can't make this shit up. In his trunk he had two big ass shotguns just laying there in the open. My eyes got big as saucers and I just looked at him confused like what the hell man? Why are you doing this? What are you thinking? He gave me a pleased smile and just shrugged his shoulders. This guy was a total psycho. We walked up to the mall and he actually had the audacity to ask if he could hold my hand, which I replied with, uh, let's walk a little bit more. Needless to say, things weren't too bad after that until we went into a department store so he could get a pair of shoes. After walking around with him for nearly an hour, he finally found a pair he wanted and went to the checkout. The lady asked him if he wanted to save an extra amount by signing up for a credit card, and he said yes. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, whenever you apply for a credit card, they ask you a bunch of personal information, like your full name, your address, and stuff like that. When the cashier asked for his first name, I was surprised to find out that the first name he told me wasn't even his first name. It was his middle name. I was taken aback, but waited until we walked away to ask him about it. Uh, yeah, Barry is my middle name, but I really hate my first name so I won't answer to it if anyone calls me by it. I was honestly terrified at this point, after all these little lies were really starting to make me feel really uncomfortable and betrayed, since I had told him the truth about my name and age. After we left that store, we passed a candy shop. I have a huge sweet tooth, and I'm a bit of a kid at heart, despite being a grown woman. I looked excited, and I thought about entering the store, when he looked me up and down, and then said, Sometimes it's better not to give in to temptation. What the fuck? I know this guy didn't just say that to me considering he wasn't even skinny himself. I rolled my eyes at him and walked away. Any other store I wanted to look at, he just kind of frowned and shrugged his shoulders, and I just kept walking. So basically the night was all about what he wanted to do. After walking for about two hours, he said he wanted to see a movie. There was a pretty cool movie theater nearby, and a really great movie that sounded genuinely interesting, so I thought why not. When I got inside, I told him I was going to run to the bathroom. I finished doing my business and walked back out only to find out that he bought tickets for an entirely different movie. I was really pissed, but again, I just brushed it off. We sat down and I told him I was going to grab snacks, despite him making a comment that we should wait a little longer. I ignored him and I went to pay for my own drink and candy which, by the way, was really well-deserved after putting up with this douchebag all night. The movie was actually good, and he didn't even try any funny business, partly because I think he noticed I was pissed off at him and knew I would probably push him away if he did. When the movie had ended, he didn't say a word, no comment about the movie or anything. I was just disgusted at this point because things had gone south real quick. 
I also checked my phone to see five missed calls from my mom and also a few texts from my close friend who was worried because I told her the day wasn't going so well. I let them know I was okay and we got in the car and he took me back to my car at the restaurant. When we pulled up to my car, he sat there and looked like he was almost expecting a kiss or something, but I was beyond doing anything than other getting my ass in my car and going straight home. Remember when his profile said he was looking for a long-term relationship? Yeah, this is how the conversation went. So I'm just going to be upfront with you. I'm not really looking for anything serious right now. I was so annoyed at this point that I actually just fake smiled at him, then said, You know what? Me neither. I don't have time for a relationship. This wasn't entirely a lie since I do work and go to school full time. I told him to have a good night, thanked him for dinner and the movie got in my car, and then left. You best believe I called my best friend and filled her in on everything that happened that night. I guess looking back, I guess I didn't realize that I could have been in a potentially seriously dangerous situation. Needless to say, unless I've been talking to someone for several weeks and I feel 100% comfortable, I will never let another guy pressure me into going on a date. This experience definitely didn't help my outlook on guys any. I don't think that all the men just want to hook up, but maybe all the good guys are taken by now, or just busy working on themselves. I haven't given up on love, but I'm definitely focusing on myself before I ever put myself in a situation like that ever again. This is cliche, but I've never been one to really believe in ghosts or the supernatural. I think this is important to note because I want you to know just how real this event was to me. It's the one event that I haven't been able to blame on the wind or my eyes playing tricks on me or being so tired that I just heard things. It wasn't any of that. When I was 12 years old, I had a sleepover planned at my best friend's house for a Friday night. Let's call her Kelly. I'll explain the layout of the room we were in because it'll be important later. Kelly lived in a pretty big house, but we always slept in the downstairs living room so that we wouldn't wake her parents upstairs, as we usually stayed up pretty late. This living room was huge. On one side were two big couches, a TV, and a pool table. On the other side, about 20 feet away, was a bookshelf with these big glass cabinets. There wasn't really much in it. It had what looked like really old files from her dad's job. I had seen some cool books in it a few weeks back, but Kelly told me the bookshelf cabinets are always locked because her dad says there's important paperwork in there. So anyway, after watching some movies and talking, it's about midnight and I go to the upstairs bathroom to brush my teeth while Kelly sets up some blankets on the couches. As I'm brushing them, I look into the mirror and I see into the big glass shower. Through the reflection, I then see a shadow and it startled me because it was a lot darker than a shadow anything else in the room could have made. More specifically, I could clearly see the outline of a little boy. There were no features, it was just transparent, but somehow still unmistakable despite this. It didn't feel threatening though. In fact, I felt somehow safe, but I was still freaked out. I then whipped my head around, and of course nothing's there. I shake it off and then look back into the mirror. Nothing. I take out my contacts and look back up and there it is again. 
Same exact place as before, but still clear despite my not so great vision. I'm officially as terrified as a 12 year old can be and decide to leave my stuff in the bathroom and just deal with it in the morning. I run down the stairs and tell Kelly what I saw. I won't lie, I then started crying as I told her. I was trying so hard not to make a big deal over a little shadow, but it looked so real to me. I must have been making quite a commotion because Kelly mom comes down the stairs to see what was going on. She says she saw a shadow in the bathroom. Kelly says to her mom, Without missing a beat, Kelly's mom looks at me with a distant look in her eyes. In the shower? She says. I nod. Uh, did it look like a boy? We both say in unison. My face is white, and her mom then says, I've seen it before as well. Nothing to worry about. And she just goes upstairs. She doesn't try to comfort me. She just goes upstairs as quickly as she came down. Well, needless to say, I couldn't really sleep that night. I must have dozed off sometime around 2am, because at 3am, I then awoke to a loud banging noise. It sounded like it came from right next to me. I didn't have the courage to investigate, so I got fully under my blanket and then went back to bed. I woke up the next morning before Kelly and looked down next to me, almost completely forgetting what had happened the night before. Now on the floor by my head was a really huge photo album, just laying there, open. I look over at the bookshelf and the cabinets are now wide open. I guess they weren't always locked like Kelly said. The album was opened up to a page with a single photo on it. That of a little boy looking really happy and sitting on a set of swings. It hadn't clicked for me yet. At breakfast I told Kelly's mom and she said she was certain that there was no way that album could have fallen 20 feet over to me in the middle of the night. She looks at the photo and her face goes white. But who is that? I ask. Kelly's mom then softly says, That's my brother. He died when he was six. I'm 15 now, but when the story happened, it was on my eighth birthday. My mom invited her friend over for the party, and her friend brought her kids. Let's call them Sally, Billy, and Lily. Fast forward to after the party had ended when me, my siblings, Sally, Billy, and Lily were having a sleepover. We were all watching a horror movie. I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street, but I can't really remember for sure when I then said I wanted to play hide and seek with them. Apparently everyone else was just as bored as I was with the movie because they all jumped up at the idea and we played rock, paper, scissors to see who would be the seeker. My oldest brother Charlie ended up being the seeker and he went down the hall to go count in the bathroom. To understand this story fully, I'll explain how the house was built. When you walk into the house through the front door, you immediately see the first stairway to your left. Once you go up the stairs, to your right on your left is the room where we were watching the movie in, which was my brother Justin's room, and my sister Charlene's room was straightforward. You turn left on the stairs and you'll see my room on the right side. And if you turn left, you'll see my mom's room. You keep going down the hall and turn right, and you'll see three doors and another stairway. If you go straight, you'll reach the lining closet, and the stairway is left of it. You go back and turn left, you'll see two doors. 
one to the left, and one straight ahead. The one to the left was Charlie's room, and the door straight ahead was the bathroom he was counting in. Now going back stairs to the front door past the stairway, you can either go straight or left. If you go straight, you'll be in the living room, and if you go left, you'll see two doors, one straight ahead and then one left of you. The one on the left of you was a random room that was under the stairs, and the one ahead of you led to the second living room that we really didn't have anything in. If you keep going, there's a doorway to your left that leads to the dining room. Once you're in the dining room, there's a door to your left, which is the side door that went outside, and the one to your right leads to the kitchen. If you go into the kitchen, you'll see four doorways. One to your left as soon as you walk in that leads to a patio type thing. Turn right and walk to the farthest wall, and you'll reach the second bathroom. From the second bathroom, you go straight to the third floor, which leads to the basement. Then you turn right, and there's a second stairway leading back upstairs. We also had an attic as well, but to go there, you have to go through the upstairs bathroom. Anyways, Charlie went to go count in the bathroom, while the rest of us went to go hide. I ran downstairs, and I decided to hide behind the couch. I was a dumb eight-year-old kid. Now, at the time, one of my uncle's friends named Scott was staying with us, and he was on the couch drunker than ever. He wasn't really bothering any of us though, so it didn't really matter. I remember watching Lily come downstairs looking for a hiding spot, and she came to hide with me for some reason. And she came to hide with me for some reason. I didn't really think much of it since I thought that this hiding spot was a really genius place to hide at. Once Charlie was done counting, he came to look for everyone. I also forgot to mention that we were playing hide and seek in the dark, so I guess that makes the story scarier. Anyways, Charlie quickly started finding everyone, and I was still just squatting behind the couch with Lily, when all of a sudden, Scott started laughing hysterically for some reason, and then pointed at the ceiling. He then started saying something loudly. I can't really remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, Oh, look at that. They're coming to get you. They're all coming to get you. I was confused and kind of scared all at the same time because of this and I'm guessing Lily noticed because she put her hand on my shoulder, then saying, You'll be okay, Sierra. It'll all be okay. I got even more scared hearing her talk because her voice sounded distorted. I don't know. I went to look back at her and asked what was wrong with her voice, but then saw her hand. Her hand looked really bony, and it was a pale color. This really concerned me because Lily at the time was a plus-size black girl. I looked at what I thought was her, but then seen something really horrific. I saw some kind of gremlin looking thing with really big facial features. Its black eyes, ears, and mouth were giant and didn't look like they even fit on the thing's face properly. I screamed. I screamed so loud and then instantly jumped over the couch trying to get the fuck away from whatever that thing was. Obviously Charlie heard me and then came in the room watching as I ran back upstairs away from that thing. The thing literally chased me until I ran back into Justin's room, slamming the door shut. Everyone came back in the room and asked me what happened, and I told them what I had seen. According to Lily, she hadn't even gone into the living room at all for that round. She was with Charlene, hiding in the dining room under the table. And according to Charlie, he didn't see anything chasing me up the stairs. Justin all of a sudden started freaking out, and Charlie asked him what was wrong, and he then told everyone to look at my back. I tried looking at my back and I had seen a lot of red on my salmon colored shirt 
wondering what it was. Charlie lifted up my shirt and seen four huge scratch marks going from my right shoulder to the left side of my back. It was weird because at first I didn't even feel the blood or scratches on my back, but then it started stinging really badly and I started crying. Charlene then asked me if I still wanted to play hide and seek, but of course I didn't. I was way too scared so I told them to just keep going without me and that I'd just stay in the room we were in. Justin volunteered to stay there with me so that I wouldn't get scared again and everyone else went to go play another round. Justin was about to bring me to the bathroom to clean the cuts out until he stopped outside the bedroom door. By this time, everyone had already found a hiding spot, so when he told me someone was sticking their head out of Charlie's bedroom, it was a bit weird. I walked into the hallway and looked and seen the head going back into the room. The head was just pure white. It kind of looked like it was glowing. Also, the hallway light was on outside the bathroom for some reason, and that's why we were able to see it. From what my brother saw, he said it didn't have any facial features and it had a really narrow neck. It couldn't be any of us because no one in the house was tall and skinny like that thing was. As soon as I saw the thing, I then screamed again and ran back in the room. Once again, everyone came rushing back in asking what happened. This time Justin told them and asked Charlie if it could have been him, but he said that he hadn't even gone in his room. Everyone then agreed that we'd all just stay in one room for the night and just continue watching movies until we fell asleep. Minus when my sister brought me to the bathroom to clean the blood off my back and then had me change the now blood-covered shirt I was wearing. It was hard to get sleep that night because of how much the scratches hurt, but eventually I did. In the morning, my sister brought me back in the bathroom to see if my cuts were bleeding anymore, and they weren't, but only because they were no longer there like they had totally disappeared off of me as if they were never there to begin with. In conclusion, I'm so happy that I no longer live in that house. I moved out when I was going into the fifth grade, and gladly the house is now abandoned. I never did find out what the hell that thing was, and I don't know if I want to, but it's definitely one of the craziest and scariest things that's ever happened to me. I was 16 at the time of this story. I had recently gotten my license and I was really enjoying the freedom of being able to drive myself wherever I wanted. I'm older than most of my friends, so I was the only one in our group to have my license during this time. Because of this, I would often spend my weekends driving around town with my friends, Brooke and Mackenzie, before eventually spending the night at one of their houses. This particular Saturday was no different. I made some plans to pick up Brooke and Mackenzie sometime in the later afternoon to drive around and go shopping and eat at fast food places. Then we planned on spending the night at Brooke's house since her parents were out of town. So when the time finally came, I picked up my friends and we had a really great time. Shopping in stores and eating some really good junk food. Then eventually went to Brooke's to spend the night. We spent a couple of hours hanging out in Brooke's basement, eating more junk food and drinking soda while listening to music. After a while, my stomach began to hurt, so I got up to use the bathroom. Now, Brooke's basement didn't have a bathroom, so I had to go to the one upstairs. The moment I sat down to do my business, I immediately felt uneasy from the window next to me that looked out into the pitch black night sky. I planned on finishing up and getting back downstairs as soon as possible to be back with the others. Then a few seconds later, 
my worst nightmare came true. I heard a slight tapping on the window from the outside. I froze in fear. I didn't want to scream to give myself away. I really wanted to get up and just run back down to the basement. But unfortunately, I was still in the process of doing my business. All the junk food came back to bite me. I was trembling with fear, trying to finish as soon as I could. I also realized that I'd left my cell phone down in the basement, so I couldn't even text any of the others. I heard the tapping again on the window right behind me. I wasn't able to see anything due to how dark it was outside. I finally had some luck when I heard Brooke knock on the bathroom door and then say something along the lines of, Hey, hurry up. I have to go real bad. I tried to shush her from the other side of the door without being too loud myself. Just then, the tapping then happened for a third time. I was basically crying at this point from fear. By some miracle, I think Brooke caught on a little to what was actually happening due to my quiet shush followed by the tapping on the window. I finally finished up and then jumped from the toilet and out the door, being very careful to not make any noise. I decided to leave the light on to not give away my position to whoever was out there. When I left the bathroom, I grabbed Brooke and I shushed her, then practically pulled her back down to the basement, locking the door behind me. We got back down to the basement where I explained to Brooke and Mackenzie what had happened. They both seemed really freaked out, but luckily they both believed me. I should also mention that Brooke is an only child, so the tapping couldn't have been any siblings and her parents were out of town on a vacation, so we knew it wasn't them either. We were still freaked out, but we decided to forget about it and just continue with our night, eventually falling asleep. At some crazy off hour of the night, we were all then awoken by some pounding from somewhere upstairs. Again, I was able to keep from screaming as to not give myself away, but the other two were not. They both began screaming and hysterically crying, which gave up any hope of hiding our locations. The banging stopped, and we eventually settled down a little bit. We decided to all walk upstairs and then look outside to see if anyone was there. We got to the top of the steps and walked together to the kitchen window, then peered out. At first we didn't see anything, until we saw a dark figure of a man jump up face to face with us, with just the glass window separating us. It was way too dark to get any description of the man, but we were 100% sure we all saw him. We all screamed and then booked it back downstairs, locking the door behind us. We had no idea who the man was or where he went after that. We called Brooke's parents in the morning, who came home prematurely from their vacation. We stayed down in the basement as long as we possibly could until we had to come up to get food and use the bathroom. We have no clue what exactly happened that night, and it still really freaks us all out even to think about. Thank God we were smart enough to lock all the doors in the house that night, or who really knows what could have happened. Last weekend, I went to have a sleepover at my best friend's house. He had an older brother and a younger brother. Both of his parents were home. For some context, his parents had a security system. It obviously wasn't a good one. I had also stuck a knife in my backpack. I'm a very paranoid person, so it made me feel better to have a weapon. I woke up around 2.30am to go use the bathroom, then went back to bed. About 30 minutes later, I woke up to my friend's mom, then screaming. 
both my friend and I then shot up at the same exact time. I grabbed my backpack and dug for the knife. I shushed my friend and then got up to lock the door. I stood at the door with my knife. I told my friend to grab his phone and call 911. My friend's bedroom was directly across from his younger brother's room. We then heard his little brother start to scream. When I came out of his room, I saw his dad and older brother beating the hell out of this man with a baseball bat. I then ran in the room and started helping them. The man had also brought a knife. Not too long after, the police arrived and they arrested the guy. They also brought in an ambulance. His little brother actually got stabbed a few times. It was crazy. My friend called me yesterday and he told me that his little brother's out of the hospital now and he's doing much better. His parents also thanked me profusely for my help. Ever since this happened, I've always made sure that my doors and windows are securely locked. They've already given the man a sentence. He was charged with breaking and entering and attempted murder. He was given 20 years. I'm honestly really worried that when he gets out, he's going to strike my friend's house or my house again. But I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. This is a personal story of mine that I'd like to share with you all. The events of this story were during the summer of 2019, when I was around 13 years old. I'd like to keep my country in the resort anonymous for privacy reasons. To some, this might not even be scary, but it was a bone-chilling experience for myself. Please stay safe out there and use this story as a learning opportunity to use in real-life situations that you might come across, because you never know what could happen. Now, if you're all ready, let's start with the story. My father and I went on a trip together to a resort in a neighboring country that resided next to our home. I was very close to my father at the time, and I always latched to his side wherever we went. My father and I were surfing the internet, checking out cool spots to spend our summer vacation for a few days. We finally decided to book a room in a five-star resort that we came across. I remember that I was so ecstatic to travel and go to a huge water resort that awaited me. He and I traveled from our country's airport and arrived at the resort. Now, to describe the layout of the resort, the place was known to be a well-rated plaza that resonated in the area. Not only was this a resort, though, but it also had multiple chains of restaurants within it. It also had two huge water parks as well as swimming pools. The overall size of the resort was right around the length of three Six Flags. To those who don't know what Six Flags is, it's basically an enormous amusement park in the US with a bunch of different rides. So you could imagine just how big of the layout the area was. It had tall colorful slides that spread out to all parts of the resort. I knew a few of the rides there such as the tornado slide that spins you around in circles or those trapdoor slides that drop you from at least 7 to 80 feet and leave you washed away from the adrenaline that you felt seconds prior. I remember that I was just so happy to be there. As the daredevil I was, I tried every single water slide that I could put my hands on. It was an overall a really amazing trip and I had a really great childhood experience. However though, one incident stuck out to me while I was there that will forever be scarred into my memory. The time of this incident was around 6pm. Water attractions were about to close for the night, and I wanted to get my last chance to swim in the water before we left to our room. Mind you, I was the only person in the pool at the time, and my father was watching me from a distance. I was swimming in one of the large pools, just doing stuff that your normal 13-year-old did. 
swimming, holding my breath, practicing laps around the pool, and so on. I also want to note that I went swimming with flippers, an important detail for later. To give a brief description of the pool, it was a large pool that was divided by a mini bridge into two sections. The large part of the pool was for adults and a smaller shallow side for the kids. I was minding my own business swimming on the adult side of the pool practicing laps when I thought I heard someone calling my name. Now thinking that it was my dad, I looked up and then scanned the area. As my eyes adjusted to the brightness above water, I began to see a silhouette of a person then approach me from a few feet away. I was stunned to see the lifeguard approaching me with a smile on his face. He was a short tan guy that seemed to be in his mid-thirties. The guy was bald with a muscular physique, and to top it all off, he had sunglasses. He was wearing a white t-shirt with navy blue shorts, and he had his whistle wrapped around his neck. So yeah, your generic lifeguard. As I wiped the chlorine-filled water away from my eyes, I focused on the lifeguard while staying afloat in the water, really afraid I was in trouble for swimming on the adult side of the pool. Very surprisingly, he didn't really seem phased at all that I was swimming on the wrong side of the pool. He flashed a toothy grin at me and he began making light conversation, with both of us introducing ourselves to each other. Now, I know what you might be thinking. As a child, I was very naive and sheltered. My parents never even taught me about stranger danger, but I always trusted my gut whenever I didn't feel comfortable. I don't remember word for word what we were talking about, but I remember he was remarking on how he saw me swimming and that he teaches nighttime swimming classes for young kids like me. I remember that he was really pushy with the whole nighttime swimming classes gig, offering me an invitation to go there with him sometime. I very politely declined that idea, finding it kind of weird that his class would be held during the night. We talked about a few other topics related to swimming, like cool swimming tricks and also helpful tips to use while swimming. All was well until the lifeguard proposed that he would like to show me how to swim properly in the water and also help me with my swimming posture, flashing me another creepy smile. I fell silent as alarms started going off in my head, knowing that something definitely wasn't right with his idea. All of a sudden, I watched him take off his shirt and then jump and dive in the smaller division of the pool. Since we were sitting near the bridge that divides the entire pool, I was right around seven feet away from this man in the water meaning that I had to swim out of there with only a few seconds to spare before he could catch up to me. With all of my strength, I beat it to the other side of the pool, swiftly moving my flippers up and down in the water. I imagined every worst possible case scenario, either with me running out of air to keep swimming, or him simply grabbing my legs and pulling me deeper into the water with that creepy unnatural smile of his. I desperately moved my arms and legs back and forth in a rush of panic, not daring to look back and seeing just how close he was to me. My father on the other side of the pool noticed there was something wrong from my body language and facial expression. Once I reached the end of the pool, I launched myself on the edge and then quickly slipped off my flippers while I was standing. As I was taking the flippers off, I had spotted the lifeguard a few feet away from me in the water and swimming closer and closer to the ledge of the pool. I immediately bumped into my dad from behind and I didn't have to explain myself as he could tell right away something was wrong. My dad stood in front of me, putting space in between me and the creepy lifeguard. In my mind, I thought that my father would have yelled at him or maybe even hit him, but he just made small talk with the man. At the time, I couldn't process why I was talking to this guy as if he didn't see what the guy just did. But now that I'm older, 
I realized that he just wasn't trying to aggravate the guy because we're all alone, which I still believe he deserved a good verbal beat down. I suppose that my dad had played Mr. Knife's guy with the lifeguard and just pretended to be cool with him as they both exchanged numbers from what I could tell. When we finally left the pool, we both booked it to our hotel room. Around 10 minutes later and still power walking, my father's phone rang non-stop. Shockingly enough, the lifeguard's name lit across the screen of my dad's phone. My heart sank to my stomach when I read the name on the screen. I turned towards my father and I asked why the guy was calling him. What my father said back to me made my heart skip a beat. My dad went on to tell me that the lifeguard wanted to hang out with us later that night and that he was going to bring his friends so that we could all meet up together. I stopped power walking and I had stared at my dad in total disbelief. He yanked my arm firmly and kept me at his side, all while glancing back, ignoring the calls. He told me that we had to get going and that we weren't going out with that stranger. No, I wish the story had ended right there, not ever seeing that creepy guy ever again, but it didn't. The very next day was scorching hot and an absolute perfect day to dive into the cool water of the pools and slides. I decided to grab those yellow donut shaped rafts that are always used for every huge water slide. I was waiting in the line up in the 10 story flights of stairs that connected to the huge water slides. Foot traffic was really slow during that time of day. Bored out of my mind while waiting for the line to move, I naturally looked around to see the kids scrimming down the slides, all the different kinds of people chatting together, and overall just really admiring the scenery of the colorful atmosphere. I began looking in the narrow crowd of people, and lo and behold, I then see it. You guessed it. The really creepy lifeguard monitoring all the people while they travel down the slides. I cursed under my breath and then more sweat rolled down my face. I couldn't really tell whether it was from seeing the guy again or just the blazing hot sun, but I didn't care. I just wanted to go anywhere else but near that man. I began using the raft to block my view from him, but it did no use as he had already spotted me in the crowd. He shouted my name with glee, then took a step towards me asking me why me and my dad didn't meet up with him last night and that we could have had some fun. At this point, I didn't really know whether this guy was just overwhelmingly nice to strangers or if he had other ulterior intentions that night. I stuck with my gut and vigorously shook my head no and walked up the steps since there was less people in line now. Thankfully, he then left me alone and he took the hint from me that I didn't want to talk. As I readied myself to launch down the dark winding slide that awaited me, I took one final look back towards the guy, and yeah, he was still just staring at me with that oily creepy smile. I yanked both poles on each side of the slide and shot down that slide like my life depended on it. As the slide came to an end with an enormous splash, I hopped out of the pool that I landed in and I never went back to the tower I saw him at again for that whole trip. It's been about three years since that incident and I'm currently typing all this in my small bedroom. As an avid scary story listener myself and listening to other people's stories, I felt compelled to write this down. It had been stored in the back of my mind for years now, and although it might not be much, it feels really great talking about it after such a long time, coming from a person who internalizes situations just like these. Thank you for listening. Me and my friend Sam, we're both females by the way, decided to take a vacation to Philadelphia to visit the Liberty Bell and the museums in the area, just to get away 
and it was only a five-hour drive. We were supposed to stay there for three nights and four days. However, we never actually made it past the third night. Most of our vacation was going really great, except for that third day. As we were walking around the city center, it was almost 90 degrees outside. So, as you can imagine, we were looking for some shade to get under while walking back to our hotel. We eventually come across a really long archway that you're able to walk through, so we decided to use that to get out of the sun. When walking through the archway, we pass this man that's sitting on some stairs, and he appears to be homeless. Well, not really thinking too much of it, considering Philly is really full of homeless people and it's broad daylight, we just kept walking. Right as we passed him, right as we passed him, I felt something was wrong. It just felt off. I turned around very quickly before my friend could even notice what I was doing, and I see the man standing right behind me just staring. Sam eventually turns around with me and instantly sees my face filled with fear. This man was just staring directly into my eyes, mumbling random words, possibly from another language. Eventually, after just staring for 30 seconds, I finally have the courage to then ask, Uh, what are you doing? There was no response from the man, just more mumbling, but louder this time. I eventually start backing up in a circle with Sam while this man is still on top of me following my every move. The scariest part about it is that he never took his eyes off mine, not even once. At this point me and Sam were totally freaking out and the tears started to fill up in my eyes with the thoughts that I was about to get mugged or even worse. I start to back up out of the archway where there were other people walking around and he continues to follow me, getting closer. We eventually hear a man's voice then call out from the distance. Hey, stay the hell away from them. And we quickly turn around. The man started walking over toward us, but the homeless man didn't budge, and eventually was so close to my face, I could smell his horrible breath, all while he continued to mumble these random words. The man that had called out to us then ran over and pulled him away from us. I then immediately burst into tears thanking the man, as he stood in between us and the homeless man until he walked away. Looking back on this story, I'm not really sure why I didn't just walk away in the first place and froze like I did, but I was filled with so much fear of what this man was thinking about doing to me that I just couldn't think straight. Trying to forget what just happened, we decided to walk back to the hotel and go get some dinner. As we were eating at the hotel restaurant on the outside patio, which is located on a boardwalk, we noticed someone staring right at us from the other side of the boardwalk. And as you can imagine, it was that same homeless man. We tried our best to avoid it and just continue eating our dinner, even though we were terrified. As we finished up, we looked back one more time before going back to our room, and all you see is the man pointing right at me with a very straight and really expressionless face. Now, not wanting to create an issue, we went back inside. Later that night, we were smoking in my car that was in the parking garage, as that's where we felt we wouldn't get caught. Well, about 30 minutes sitting in the car, we then hear two gunshots go off. That to us sounded like it was right next to us. We immediately got scared, not knowing if the shooter was inside the garage with us. I decided to get out and go see what happened, and looked outside from the barred up windows that they had in the garage. What I saw was absolutely disturbing. It looked to be a drive-by shooting, and for two small girls from a really small town, this was definitely not something we were used to seeing. As I'm looking down at the accident, I see a man hiding behind a tree near the scene. He was looking right up at me, pointing. 
it was the same homeless man again. I have no idea how he knew we were up there or how he knew where our hotel was, but he was totally fixated on me as he never took his eyes off me once. Exactly like before. We ended up checking out of the hotel right afterwards, and we probably won't be going back. I don't know what that homeless man who seemed to be obsessed with me had planned for me, but I'm really glad we got the hell out of there when we did. I'm originally from a town near the Appalachian Mountains in Maryland. I lived there for basically the first decade of my life, and I really loved it there. I made plenty of friends, played baseball, and spent many long afternoons sipping coke in a nearby cornfield, watching the beautiful sunset over the mountains. It was a really great place where I could live a carefree childhood since my neighborhood was in a rural area from a nearby city that was really notorious for gang activity. When I was 10, the real estate company my mom worked for went under due to the economy taking a really bad turn for the worst. On the bright side though, her friend helped her land a new job in Chicago working for a healthcare company, but this ultimately forced us to move. Unfortunately, my dad wasn't able to join us because he was still attached to a law firm in DC and he couldn't move just yet. Because of this, whenever my brothers and I had time off from school, we'd always go back to Maryland for vacation. For the most part, it was really nice going back there for vacation. The most exciting thing about it was that every time we returned, there was always new developments in the town, and sometimes there were even developments in the rural area where I lived. Sometimes the changes were a bit more subtle, like some wooded areas being torn down, and other times we'd come back to see an entire brand new apartment complex near our old neighborhood. It was quite apparent that the population was swiftly growing, apparently due to many people moving out of Washington, D.C., Fast forward to when I was about 14 years old. It was summertime, and we were in Maryland like we would always be for vacation. One of the new developments in the area happened to be a nature trail that went on for roughly about two miles. It was a five-minute walk from my house, and the trail cut through a small yet lengthy wooded area. There was even a small creek that ran along the first quarter mile of the trail. My friends and I were hanging out one day, and we decided we were going to go check it out. Our walk was nice. We saw a surprising amount of profane drawings and messages written in chalk, beer bottles and used condoms all along the trail. There's not really too much to do where I'm from. Well, about a mile into the trail, we noticed a tiny opening in the brush right before the trail would take a sharp bend. The opening would then lead to a small area right next to the creek. This area was about the best thing about the trail. If you continued onward, all you'd see were trees, tall weeds, an apartment complex, and an underpass under the bridge to our neighborhood. A few nights later, I'm in my room grinding Fallout 3 really late at night, and I wouldn't stop playing until around 2am. I laid in bed really tired but unable to fall asleep. So, like any rational teenager, I spontaneously decided to go for a walk on the new trail. The lighting was really perfect for that night. The moon lit up the trail nicely, since there weren't enough trees above the pavement to block the moonlight. As I was walking the trail, I noticed two people walking pretty far in front of me. The trail was also fairly new, so I didn't really think too much of it. As I continued onward, I noticed that the two people stopped at the mouth of the underpass that was located at the trail's end. I started to get a really bad feeling about what was going on, so I slowly backed up when I came to be about 50-ish yards away from them. 
Next thing I notice is one of them is starting to shout towards my direction. I couldn't really make out what he was saying, but I could tell by this guy's tone that he definitely wasn't friendly. That gave me all the reason I needed to figure out this wasn't a good situation for me to be in, so I decided to try and make a break for it. As I turn to run away, I hear a series of what sounded like loud popping noises, four in total. As I started running, I heard something small strike one of the nearby trees to my left, and that's when it clicked. I'm being shot at. I sprinted back the way I came faster than I'd ever sprinted before. That on trying to dodge bullets made me really tired. I kept pushing myself to keep moving, even though I was so scared that I swear I thought I was going to pass out. I heard yet another gunshot behind me, but luckily they missed again. I couldn't understand why these people were chasing me and trying to kill me. Did I just witness something at the underpass? Were these people wanted by the cops? My mind was racing just as fast as my legs were. Eventually, I kept telling myself that I needed to get off this trail ASAP because with how many trees were along the path, the trail was basically a two-mile choke point with a few occasional curves. I was feeling about ready to give up when I noticed an all-too-familiar bend accompanied by the sound of water gently pushing downstream. This was exactly the opportunity that I needed to slip away from these people. Immediately after clearing the turn, I entered the brush, walked about 10 yards downstream, and then quietly laid prone in the creek with my head tilted sideways so that I could still hear and breathe. I took a few very deep breaths to slow down my heart rate and then forced myself to control my breathing so I wouldn't give my position away. Eventually, I hear two rapid pairs of footsteps on the trail. It was hard to hear what they were saying, but all I could remember hearing was, So what happened? Did we kill him? I laid as still as I could and breathed as softly as possible. Even with that, they still found the opening of the creek. One of them checked the shoreline, then he checked the brush. Eventually, he was standing within five feet of me. Luckily for me, though, the tree surrounding the creek created a canopy of darkness that was able to shield me from the moonlight. Eventually, he gave up and left without having checked the creek itself. Even though I couldn't hear their footsteps anymore, I still made sure to wait a little while before heading home. Once I reached my actual neighborhood, I had heard a car speeding out of the area. I assumed it was them, but I still made sure to cut through backyards and stay really low just in case they were still around. I eventually made it back home sopping wet and still riding the adrenaline rush of a lifetime. I used the back door to sneak back into my house, change my clothes, and laid awake in my bed until morning. Well, a few weeks go by when I then hear my mom talking about how a lot of the thugs from DC are apparently taking the train and moving to my town along with all the ordinary folk. Maybe the two people I encountered were gang members or something. I really have no idea, but I'm just grateful as hell that I was listening to my gut that night, because if I wasn't, I definitely wouldn't be here nearly a decade later. This happened during my freshman year of high school. Winter had just ended, so the air at night felt really cool, but not too cold. My old best friend, who we'll call Veronica, had texted me asking what I was up to, and she said she was hungry, to which I replied, me too. In order to better understand the story, I should explain the layout and distances from each location. I was at my cousin's house, which is about eight blocks away from Veronica's and McDonald's was probably about a half a mile away from both of our homes. Across the street from our McDonald's was a Target and various other fast food chains, and maybe about a mile and a half away was a Burger King. 
I don't exactly remember whose genius idea it was to sneak out at 11 o'clock at night in order to satisfy our hunger, but nonetheless we did. Although I had never done it before, sneaking out was relatively easy for me. As for Veronica, well, let's just say she wasn't new to it. Because I was late, I was in my PJs, which consisted of shorts and an oversized football jersey. In retrospect, probably not the best clothing idea for 11pm while sneaking out in a not-so-safe city, but I digress. We met up halfway and made our way to McDonald's, catching up about whatever boy problems and idiotic math teacher we had at the time. The streets weren't desolate, but not necessarily bussing with cars either. I remember being worried that my mom would see me walking around at 11pm if she drove by. We decided to cut through Target's huge parking lot to save some distance and time. Now, the McDonald's and Target were a bit uphill, but only if you walked from west to east. We came from south to north, so it wasn't really a problem for us. Not that it would have been either way, but it's better to explain. As we were crossing the street from Target to McDonald's, we saw a guy, probably about 5'5", five five, so it was pretty short. He was wearing a blue hoodie and, I believe, some shorts. Veronica was maybe about 5'2 at the time, where I was about 5'3 to 5'4. Because all this happened years ago, some of the details are a little fuzzy. I didn't really think too much of the guy because Veronica and I were laughing away and talking about anything and everything, but I did take a mental note of him. So, being the geniuses that we were, neither of us actually checked to see if the McDonald's would be open. Well, to be correct, it was open, but just a drive through yeah, we failed to do one simple yet very important necessity. No problem for us geniuses though. Why you may ask? Because Burger King wasn't that far away and we really needed to satisfy our hunger, so why not? We started making our way west, going downhill. I was ranting away while Veronica kept glancing over her shoulder. She has this habit of doing this every time we walk anywhere, no matter the time of day. She then linked her arm around mine, and then softly said to me, That guy is following us. I glanced behind, not making it obvious, but just to see if she was messing with me. Yeah, we kind of had a messed up sense of humor, so it wouldn't have been that much of a stretch. Unfortunately, she was telling the truth. She started to walk faster now, to which I tightened my grip around her arm and told her not to walk so fast, or he would know we were on to him. As I mentioned previously, our city wasn't really one of the safest, so I grew up being taught to always be aware of my surroundings. I wasn't as street smart as my siblings, as I was more book smart than anything, but I wasn't a blithering idiot either. I then told Veronica that we should just go across the street and enter Target. As we crossed the street, I glanced behind us and I noticed that he was crossing too. At this point, Veronica was getting extremely worried. And me, you might ask? I was laughing. For some reason, I found this to be funny because what are the odds that the first time I ever sneak out, I'd end up being followed from a McDonald's? Suffice to say, though, I ended up sneaking out again after that. What can I say? I wanted to get the whole high school experience. As we made our way through the large Target parking lot, I FaceTimed my cousin to share what was currently happening, as she knew I snuck out. While I was laughing and explaining, Veronica was pretty much in full-on panic mode. 
Eventually, I hung up abruptly as Veronica and I decided to run through the rest of the parking lot and ride into Target's doors. The guy still following us. As we made it inside the Target, we decided to walk around just in case he followed us inside, but luckily he didn't. We made our way back to the glass windows where the entrance was located at, and then we sat down to really grasp the whole situation. Veronica said she saw the guy walk past Target in the same direction we had originally came from. Behind Target is a park which I always walked past in order to get home. I decided to call my older brother and asked what to do. He told me to call my cousin and then tell her to walk and then meet us at Target. I texted her instead and I told her to bring her giant of a boyfriend who happened to be spending the night. She said that she would meet us by the front. Veronica was really relieved, but I still didn't really care about it at all. A few minutes pass, and a guy walks in Target and makes his way over to Veronica and me. I don't remember exactly, but I think he was Caucasian and maybe about five foot seven. He explained that he was in the McDonald's drive-thru when he noticed us walk away and the guy following from behind. He said that he saw us cross over into Target as well as the guy, and that he wanted to make sure we were safe. We explained our side of the story and then reassured him that we were in fact okay. He told us we shouldn't be out this late and that we should really call our family to pick us up. We said that we had family on the way and then thanked him for looking out for us, to which he told us to stay safe. I think hearing him witness the whole thing really made it feel real to me because that's kind of when reality hit me. My cousin ended up coming with her boyfriend and dad in the car, so yeah, we got busted. But I didn't get in trouble because, well, they were my cousins, and that was kind of a goody-two-shoes. Not to mention the fact that my mom probably would have been really mad at my cousins for not noticing I snuck out under their supervision. Veronica came to my cousin's house with me, where we just talked about what happened. I even FaceTimed one of our senior friends and told him about it too. Veronica and I no longer talk due to other reasons that didn't happen until years later. But during the rest of our friendship, we'd always recount that story and laugh about it. But it really is scary how easily something bad could have happened if we had only continued our journey to Burger King. And the realization that another person witnessed it made it all too real for me. I've been followed a few more times after this event, and it's really given me some extreme anxiety. I think it's pretty damn safe to say that I won't be walking alone anymore. Hell no. It was the year of 2018, and it was my first job. I had started a job at Wendy's. It wasn't the best pay, but I guess it was enough, considering I was only 16. I went in on a Monday and started my shift. Now, I live in an area where a lot of people eat fast food, so I would constantly see new faces every day. But there was always one person that came in every single day. An older gentleman that always looked homeless, but he always brought cash, so I never really looked too far into it. On that particular day, though, he came into the Wendy's and then started a brawl with one of my co-workers. I really don't know why exactly, but all I know is that my co-worker was smoking outside and then ran inside saying that someone was attacking him outside and to call the police. So we did just that, and suddenly no less than a minute before I started to call 911, the old-looking homeless guy ran inside with a gun. He threatened to kill us all if we didn't give him the money from the register. I was in the back still on the phone with the police, 
but I could still see my coworker's face when the gun was faced at him. It was honestly the most terrified look that I've ever seen on another human being. I just dug down and I told the operator where we were at while crying. My coworker gave him the money and he ran out. As you can imagine, by the time the police got there, he was already long gone. I gave him the description of the man and what I knew. They caught him two weeks later. I don't think I'll ever forget this story, and I still occasionally think what would have happened to my coworker if he wouldn't have gotten away from that man. Just thinking about it really gives me the chills. For some background info, I just turned 16, and my two friends Ashley and Sarah, my parents and little brother and I, all went to Toronto for my birthday. We rented a hotel for the night, went swimming and went to the mall, and it was all really fun. But now, on to the story. The night after we came back from the mall, we went into our hotel room, took showers, and we were all just hanging out there. It was around 11pm and we were all really bored. I knocked on the door separating me and my friend's hotel room and my mom, dad, and brother's room to ask if me and my friends can walk around Toronto because we had nothing to do. My mom said yes, so as me and my friends were about to leave, my little brother asked if he could come too because he was also bored. I said sure, so my parents ended up coming as well because they had to watch my brother. So now we're all on the streets of Toronto, my parents and brother a few meters ahead of us while me and my friends were a few meters behind, just laughing and talking. I had started to get hungry, so I had told my parents we wanted to get food. We continue walking until we find some two-story building with a whole bunch of restaurants and fast food places in it. It was pretty big, and in the center there was a big escalator to get to the second floor. There wasn't a lot of people in there, but the few people that were on the first floor looked pretty sketchy. We don't see any fast food places on the first floor, so we go up the escalator to the second floor to see what's up there. My parents go to McDonald's and they sit at a table pretty far away from us. My friend Sarah wasn't really hungry, so she went and picked out a table for us, while me and Ashley went to the ice cream place to get something there. As we were waiting, we had seen this group of three guys sitting at a table that was pretty close to the ice cream place. I noticed them looking at us and whispering to each other before two of them came up behind us to wait in line for ice cream as well. I thought it was kind of weird, but I didn't really think much of it. That is, until one of them started talking to Ashley. One of the guys randomly tapped her on the shoulder, then said, Hey, I've never been to this place before. What kind of ice cream flavor do you suggest me to get? Now, I was a bit weirded out by this because, well, the guy looked creepy as fuck. He was a very tall Jamaican man who looked to be in his late 20s or early 30s, in very bummy clothes, and randomly talking to my friend who was 15 at the time. He was also screwing a lid on to some weird-ass small bottle as my friend was talking to him. My friend Ashley is very friendly, so she didn't really think much of it and she was just being nice to him and talking to him. And then the other guy that was with him came up to me. I had already got really weird vibes from his friend, so I didn't want to talk to him. The guy who came up to me was also a very tall Jamaican man, and he was wearing a white trench coat and a hat. He then says to me, Wow, you look really exotic. What's your ethnicity? I gotta know. I was super weirded out by this, and a bit uncomfortable. But I just laughed and said thanks, and told him my ethnicity. After that, he then says to me, Wow, that's a really beautiful mix. You're a very beautiful girl. 
Can I please get your number? There was no way in hell I was giving this 30-year-old looking man my number. I told him right away no, but he just kept begging for it, saying he just wants to text me and talk. I told him I don't give my number out to strangers, but as I kept saying no to this man, I noticed the third guy that was sitting at their table then get up. He was yet another very tall Jamaican man in a beanie, and he had a briefcase with him. I saw him make dead eye contact with me as he got up, walked to the escalator, and then went down to the first floor. I was about to walk away from this man because this whole situation was just really freaking me out, until the other guy who was talking to my friend Ashley then came up to me and then said, So, uh, hey, I got your friend's Snapchat, and I was wondering if I can get yours too. I told him no, that I don't give my Snapchat to strangers. He then kind of laughed at me and just said okay. Then this next question got me really scared. The man that was talking to Ashley then said to me, So are you two here all alone, or are your parents here? I didn't even know what to say at that point. My mind just kind of went blank, and I froze. But my friend responded for me, saying that my parents are over by the McDonald's, and that our other friend is at the table close by. The two guys looked over at our other friend, and then waved at her. Sarah had seen the two guys do that, then looked at me. I think she could tell I was uncomfortable. But right as Sarah was about to come up to us and get us out of this situation, my parents went up to her and they told her they were going back to the hotel room, and that we can just walk back since the hotel was only about a 10 minute walk away from the place we were at, so my mom thought it would be fine. Sarah said okay, and my parents and brother made their way to the escalator. Sarah then came up to us and those two strange men, and then said, Hey, is everything good over here? Yeah, all good. We're just now leaving. I said back. Then the guy in the white trench coat then looks at me and says, Oh, okay. Bye, beautiful. I don't even look at him. Sarah, Ashley, and I just walk back to our table. I didn't feel like staying there anymore and told the girls we should go because I was really uncomfortable. So we start making our way to the escalator, but then we see those same two guys from the ice cream place following us. This is when panic mode then hits me. My parents are gone now, and it's just us 16-year-old girls in this random building with barely any people in it because it was so late. I tell Ashley right away that those same two guys are following us, and she starts to panic too. We go down the escalator, and they do the same. There's only two other people on the escalator separating us from those scary men. Then as we get to the bottom, thank God... I see my parents and brother waiting in the Starbucks line right next to the exit. Me and my friends run up to my mom to go and tell her that those strange men were following us. But right as I look over after telling my mom what happened, I guess the men noticed my parents were still here. So as soon as they got off the escalator, they went right back to the other one to go back up the second floor again. My mom told me that they were leaving to go back to the second floor, so we should just go back to the hotel room. My parents and brother left the building first, then me and my friends left after them. When we got out, my parents were about a meter or two ahead of us, and I noticed the same guy with the briefcase that I thought left the building earlier, standing right next to the exit door, just staring at us. This really scared the shit out of me because I thought he left a long time ago. He literally just stared at us the entire time as we walked past him. I assumed he didn't do anything because he realized my parents were there. But as we got further away from him, I looked back just to make sure he wasn't following us, and I noticed that he went up to some creepy all-black car with really tinted windows, then knocked on the window. Then the guy in the driver's seat rolled down the window, 
and the man with the briefcase whispered something to him, and then he left the car and went right back to the building that we left from, and the car drove away. This really scared the shit out of me, because if my parents weren't there, I don't even know what could have happened to us, but it for sure wouldn't have been good. I don't know what those men wanted to do with us, or why the men in the briefcase went up to that car, but I don't want to know. We got back to our hotel rooms, and my friend Ashley started crying because it all hit her at once what just happened. Sarah and I tried to calm her down, and then I asked her, Did any of those guys ask for your number or Snapchat? Then she told me, Yeah, I gave them my Snapchat because I was really scared to say no. That's when it then hit her that she has her location on for Snapchat. I told her to go turn it off immediately just in case, but when she went to turn it off, it showed one of the guy's bitmoji was right next to hers, which meant that he was at or near our hotel right now. She turned it off right after that, and then blocked him. Nothing else happened that night, thank God. I'm really glad my parents came with us to the food place, and thank God they didn't leave the building just yet, because who knows what would have happened to us if we were alone. So everyone listening to this, please be safe out there, and especially at night. This story is 100% true, and I still remember this plain as day as one of the creepiest and disgusting stranger encounters that I've ever had. I was 5 years old at the time, back in 1975. My family would always go to my grandparents' house every Saturday to spend time with my aunts and uncles. So, this one time my aunt, who was 14 at the time, was going to walk to the nearest liquor store to go get some snacks. She asked if I wanted to tag along, and I said yes. We walked a few blocks down the street to the liquor store, got our snacks, and started to head back. As we were halfway back to my grandparents' house, I had noticed a car come out of this alleyway. It was some guy with sunglasses driving, and he looked as if he was going to make a turn and drive down the street. I saw him look at my aunt and I. Then as we approached closer, he then suddenly reversed back into the alleyway. Now, my five-year-old self didn't really think anything at first and my aunt seemed to just brush it off. Maybe he's just making room for us to walk past, I thought. Then right as my aunt and I started to walk past the front of the car, I heard the car door open, and my aunt and I looked and saw the man who was driving then step out of his vehicle, exposed his naked body, and started to stroke and shake his penis. Oh my god, my aunt exclaimed. She then quickly grabbed my hand and then shouted to run and not look back. We both ran as fast as we could all the way back to my grandparents' house. We arrived safely, and we never spoke of it again. I never knew what happened to that creep, but I hope somehow, some way, that really sick fuck got caught and arrested. Okay, so when we were 19 years old, my husband and I took custody of our two-year-old niece, and shortly thereafter, he left for Navy boot camp. I had moved back in with my parents after the lease in our apartment came up so they could help me with my daughter, which meant moving back to my hometown. Now, it's fairly small but cute, and I mean, I've never been scared around town. That is, until this moment. Anyways, my daughter asked to go to the park one day, and I figured it wouldn't be an issue. However, my mom had warned me earlier in the week that there was some kind of trafficking ring operating out of a relatively nearby big city that had apparently been expanding into our town, so I made sure to be extra vigilant. 
I kept my eyes on my daughter at all times, and everything was fine. All of a sudden, as I was pushing my daughter on the swings, all of the hairs on the back of my neck then stood up. My muscles tensed. It was like my entire body was screaming, This is dangerous. Run out of here. I started frantically looking around, and that's when I saw him. There was a Hispanic-looking man standing up by the bathrooms, and he had sunglasses, but I could just feel his eyes on us. My skin was absolutely crawling. I picked up my daughter and then moved, just in case I was overreacting, letting her play on the slides. But when I moved, he moved as well to keep us in his view. I took a deep breath, trying to keep myself as calm as possible before discreetly using my key fob to unlock my car. I took another second to calculate how I was going to get to my car before he could get to us because he had stood closer to my car than I currently was. In the end, I don't know if pure panic went out or I really thought that I was faster than he could be, but I scooped my daughter up in my arms and then took off in a dead sprint to my car. He immediately came after us, so quickly that I only had time to buckle the chest piece on our car seat before then slamming the door and getting behind the wheel, locking it just in time for this man to slap one hand against my window as he used the other one to try and get my door open. I didn't hesitate. Honestly not caring whether I hit him or not, I threw my car in reverse and then sped the hell out of there, especially after I saw a second guy stepping out of an unmarked van to then approach the guy that I'd just been running from. I don't really know why I didn't call the police, probably because I wasn't sure what I would even tell them since nothing technically happened, but I sure as hell told my parents as well as my husband when I was able to get a hold of him. Now that probably seems like the end, just a really terrifying encounter for a young new mom but it actually doesn't even end there. A few nights later, I walked in on my mom watching the news, and both of the guys I saw were up on the screen because they'd apparently been arrested for trying to kidnap another woman, as well as her daughter. They were also being charged with things related to human trafficking, and all I could think about was what would have happened if I hadn't first listened to my mom before listening to my body when I started feeling like something was wrong, or if I hadn't been fast enough. I really don't know, but since that day, I've drilled into my daughters the importance of safety around strangers, and to always come to my husband and I if anyone she doesn't know ever tries to talk to her or get her to come with them. She was too young to remember that particular incident, but very recently, a woman tried to get her into her car to help her find her lost puppy, and the first thing she did was come tell me. So, maybe we both learned to be more careful. Be safe out there, everyone. Please. So, this happened when I was around 11 or 12. I'll give you a brief description of how I looked when this took place. Think of a slightly overweight child who was forced into a fancy white dress. I was actually at my uncle's wedding reception, sort of like an after party for the wedding, and me being the introvert I am, didn't want to associate myself with people. So I made sure not to talk to anyone, and just play by myself at this little park type thing that was outside the party hall. I made sure to tell my mom so she wouldn't worry about me later on. When I went outside to play in the park, I saw all my cousins playing around near a sort of sand pit-like area, and me not really caring about my attire, I decided to join them, but I was also still cautious of not ruining my dress. After about half an hour of playing some stupid kid games like tag and hide and seek, I made my way inside to eat. While I was eating, I saw this server. 
he was honestly quite tall, about six foot two, and me being the four foot nine short kid that I was, I was quite intimidated by him. Also, when I looked over at him, I knew that there was something wrong with him when I came over to get seconds. He gave me this kind of creepy toothy smile. It honestly gave me the chills, but when I was about to grab another scoop of a rice dish that I really liked, he took my hand and just stared at me. I didn't really know what to say or do since I had never been touched by a dude like ever, let alone at the young age that I was back then. Plus, I told him to let go in a sort of whisper-like tone, and since a few of my relatives were coming over, I escaped the best I could. Right after everyone ate and took pictures with my uncle and his wife, the kids, including me, went outside to that park again. Now, here's where things took a turn for the worst. That creepy server was standing near the exit of the party hall, where you would go to get to the park, and a sort of garbage disposal area that wasn't too far from the park. The server just stood there and looked at me. Not any of my cousins or the new friends I had made, but just at me. I don't really know why. Maybe it was because I was a foreigner? Maybe it's because my native language skills weren't that great. I'll never really know. He stared at me for what felt like hours, but in reality, it was probably only about three minutes. I tried to get my mind off it, trying to get my cousin's attention, but that never really worked out because I didn't want the creepy server guy to think that I was uneasy and felt uncomfortable. So I just brushed it off and tried not to think about it. After a while of me looking away from him, he finally left but his wide-eyed stare is still etched into my memory to this day. After a while of playing and all the uneasiness, I went back inside to see that a lot of the guests that were invited to the party were now gone, and that it was now just my family along with a few of my relatives. Being the tired kid that I was from playing in that park from earlier, I saw a little water station that wasn't too far away from where the food was being served, but it was in the corner of the party hall, near that back door sort of area. Before I went to that water station, I found that I had some trouble walking due to some sand being stuck in my shoes, and so I did the most rational thing my dumb 11-year-old self could think of. I cleaned my shoes with my dress instead of using something else to do it. After that, I made my way towards the water station, where I saw that same creepy server staring at me again. I thought that not looking at him back will probably help, and it actually sort of did. But when I reached the water station... I saw that the station had closed down. Funny because not even five minutes ago, I saw my uncle get some water from there. While I was trying to find the root of the problem with that automatic water station, I saw that the plug had been removed. I plugged in the little wire thing into the outlet, and since the outlet was close to the floor, I had to bend down to reach it. Right as I did, I then felt a hand touch me right under my butt area. I knew instantly that it was that same creepy server. I quickly stood up and looked over for that server, and he was right beside me towering over me with that same creepy-ass grin from before. I backed away, feeling very uneasy, since my mother had taught me to never let anyone you don't know touch you like that. You know, the good touch and bad touch stuff. I knew that this was a bad touch, but I was stiff as a board. I didn't know how to move after that happened. I kid you not. The server then proceeds to lift my dress so he could get a good look at my legs. I tried to move, but I couldn't. He then almost touched me near that area, but I managed to break free. At this point, I was shaking and crying to the point where it was actually hard for me to breathe. 
I looked for my mom and grandma. Luckily, they weren't too far from where I was, near the middle of the hall. I used whatever strength I had in my legs to run towards them. While I was running to them, I was crying and screaming, trying to tell my mom and grandma what the hell just happened to me. They were mad. Mad would actually be considered an understatement. They actually looked like they were going to kill the server. And the server was actually nowhere to be seen from then on. I told my mom about what happened to the dress and how I almost may have gotten kidnapped or raped. Or hell, even worse. I had the chance to call the police and such, but I chose not to since I didn't want to associate myself with that creepy server ever again from that point on. So I guess I'll end this off with a little message. I'm glad and very lucky that I got into that situation with the help of my friends and family when I did, but I think I'll always think about it. What if I hadn't thought of what my mom had said and stayed silent? I may have gotten raped, kidnapped, or even worse. It's good that whatever happened ended there, and I'm very thankful that my mom had that talk with me from a very early age. Thank you all for listening to this, and please be careful. I'm a female, and this happened back in 2013 when I was in 10th grade. It was towards the end of the year, and we were writing our finals. On the day of our physics test, me and one of my friends decided to meet early in the cafeteria to discuss some of the topics before the test. Well, that morning when I was in the subway, I realized I'll be reaching about 25 minutes earlier than our decided time. So, being the socially awkward person that I was, I decided to wait at the station, but that's also one station further away from the one near school. I found myself a seat, took out my notes, and started going over it. Around 10 minutes passed when I felt a bit uneasy. You know, like something isn't right and you just know it. I took a look around and I found the station nearly empty, as it was still really early in the morning. On the station, there was an old woman sleeping on a seat, and a really big man, around six foot three, standing on the other end of the station, dressed in complete black and staring at me. At first, I thought he was just probably looking at something behind me or something. But after a few minutes, later when I looked back, he was still looking at me, and this time with a really nasty grin on his face, and he also looked to be fidgeting with something in his pocket. I packed my stuff, got up, and then stood near the sleeping lady just to get a sense of safety. Again... I decided to check, and now he was walking in my direction, all while mumbling something to himself. I decided I would walk away because I didn't want to have an encounter with the man, even with the lady nearby. I started speed walking towards the stairs to head downstairs, as the lower level station is way more crowded. I then glanced behind to notice him sprinting at me with full speed. I reached downstairs only to find two to three people standing far away towards the other end of the station. I tried finding someone at the customer service counter nearby, but to my horror, there was nobody there. I could hear the man reaching the stairs. Right then, I made the decision to hide behind the stairs, then to run forward, thinking he probably won't run behind, just straight. Just a second later, I heard him at the stairs, then saying, Where the fuck did you go, you bitch? As I expected, he ran forward. And right then, I heard the train arriving at the upper level. I looked around quickly and then made a run to the train. I remember feeling my legs just shaking till I reached the school. I never did tell my parents about this because I knew it would freak them out. And to anyone who's wondering why I didn't call the cops, 
I'll be honest, that thought never really crossed my mind. Also later that day, I found out that out of the three trains that run through that station, apparently only one was running that day due to some repairing taking place at the lines, and that's why the station was nearly empty. A week after the incident, I had saw on the news of a man getting arrested near the very same area trying to assault a 13-year-old girl. To everyone out there, always, always watch your surroundings. You really never know what could happen. I'm a female, and at the time of this incident, I was 26. My friend who I'll call Kay and I love to go fishing any chance we got. So, here's a little background. We had been friends since high school, and we knew each other pretty well. We both had the same stocky build, and were each around 5'8", give or take an inch. We're also not the type to back down if the need to fight ever arises. We're both pretty hardcore when it comes to fishing, and we both even have a tattoo to prove it. There were times when we would be out from 4pm to 4am. On this fishing trip, we decided to take Kay's dog named Colt for the first time with us to our favorite spot that was located in a wildlife area about an hour away from where we lived. Colt was a massive black Great Dane with a spot of white on his chest. When he stood next to me, his shoulders came just barely below my waist. Colt was the sweetest dog if he recognized you as part of his family. I had been with Kay when she picked him up from the breeder she bought him from, and he sat on my lap for the five-hour trip to his new home, so I was definitely considered family. So on to the fishing trip. The trip was going great, and Kay and I were catching fish left and right, and Colt was having an absolute blast playing in the water and sniffing everything in sight, as well as marking his territory. When it eventually started to get dark, we got out our headlamps and lanterns. We were always prepared for fishing at night. We had been to this spot hundreds of times before, and we never had any issues except for a hungry raccoon that stole our bait. We got set up to do a little catfishing, and Colt had laid down on a blanket just outside the ring of light that our lanterns were giving off. It was around 2am when we then heard voices coming from down the one and only trail available to get back to Kay's SUV in the dimly lit parking lot. We were on high alert because while we had made friends with some of the people who fished in that same spot as us, none of them ever stayed out past dark. All we had in the way of self-defense was our small pocket knives and pepper spray. The voices grew closer and we were hoping it was just a couple of park rangers. I mean, since we had run-ins with them before while out late, but we weren't that lucky. Out of the pitch dark woods stepped about six men. None of them had flashlights or anything. They weren't even using their cell phones for light. How they managed to get down the thornbush-filled wholly uneven trail without being torn to shreds or breaking a leg was beyond me. Kay and I just froze solid for a split second. The men were all laughing and kind of gave off a really creepy vibe. The spokesman of the group hushed all the others and asked us if that was our SUV out in the parking lot off the trail. In my head, I'm already ready to leave all my gear and run if I needed to and I knew that Kay was thinking the same thing. Kay answered that yes, that was her SUV, and she asked why they wanted to know. The spokesman said that their car had died and they needed a jump, and asked if we had jumper cables. Kay and I answered in unison that no, we didn't have any jumper cables in the SUV, and that we were sorry, but we couldn't help them. 
I at this point had my hand on my knife and was ready to fight. I wasn't going to make it easy for them to kill me, or worse. The men's attitude then visibly shifted when we said we couldn't help them. The other five men who had been hanging back started to step forward along with the spokesman. They then began saying things like, Are you sure you don't have any jumper cables? And, Why don't we just go take a look? Kay and I tensed up and were ready for a fight, but right at that moment, Colt, who had been quietly watching from the shadows, decided he didn't like where this was going, and he was done watching. He materialized out of the shadows like a beast from hell, then growling with his teeth bared. I kid you not, I had never seen Colt look so scary and intimidating before in my life. Colt then stood in front of Kay and I, continuing to growl and stare the men down. I then heard one of them say, Yo, that's a big fucking dog. All the men then stopped walking our way. The spokesman then muttered something along the lines of, Okay, thanks for your time. And they all turned around and ran off back down the trail. Kay and I let out the breath we had been holding. We decided that we would pack all our gear up and get the hell out of there. We packed up in about five minutes and headed back to Kay's SUV. We figured if the men were still in the lot, we could just chuck everything in the SUV and get the fuck out of there. Cole led the way on high alert, and when we got to the parking lot, there wasn't a single soul there. We got in the SUV and got out of there. On the way out of the one-lane dirt road that led to our fishing spot, we didn't see a single car anywhere on the road, and where we were at, there was nothing but flat farmland. We had no clue where those guys had gone, but we weren't going to stick around to find out. We made it back to Kay's house safely, and Colt got lots of dog treats. While this didn't stop Kay and I from fishing late into the night, it did make us more aware of the woods around us. We never had anything like this happen to us ever again. So to the strange men who were supposedly having car trouble, let's never meet again because now I have my CCW and I always carry my gun when I fish.